Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. Has it been that long since the last Rucka debrief? I can't believe it's been almost two years, but it has. Shame on me. Really, that's ridiculous, because I love talking to Greg. He always has interesting books to talk about. His creator-owned books are at a fever pitch right now, whether it's uh, Lazarus, which just wrapped up a great miniseries that's kind of in between arcs, but certainly informs the overall story. We get into great deal to, uh, detail about Lazarus today. Then, of course, uh, there is Black Magic, his wonderful series with Nicholas Scott. Uh, Michael Lark, of course, the wonderful Lazarus artist. And uh, also The Old Guard with uh, Leandro uh, Fernandez, a tremendous uh, new image uh, series that uh, came out last year. Uh, the new arc of The Old Guard is uh, supposed to also debut later this year. So full up and down discussion about all that. Little DC talk, because we can't help it. Uh, reflecting back on his Wonder Woman run, I think the last time we spoke, he was just getting started with his Wonder Woman run back in April of 2016. Of course, we have to discuss what's been going on in the culture wars, and uh, we're recording this about a week after the school shootings in Florida, um, and, uh, you know, Greg's got a lot to say about uh, what's going on in uh, today's world, and uh, you can't help but uh, pick a side, unfortunately. So uh, we discuss that, uh, and uh, how it impacts comics in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I always appreciate the deep conversation we get into with Greg, and uh, today is no exception on uh, the most recent Rucka Debrief. I think you're going to enjoy it on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much, League, for your wonderful support uh, through Patreon. If uh, you like what we do here at Word Balloon uh, and uh, want to be a part of it, you don't have to, but if uh, you've got the ability to subscribe and are interested in helping keep things going, you can go to wordballoon.com, click on the Patreon ad, or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon. But thank you, as always, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades. At InStockTrades.com, there is a lot of Greg Rucka material available at InStockTrades.com, not just uh, for uh, his uh, current runs, but also uh, reaching back on some great runs as well. Um, Stumptown is something we mentioned very briefly because he's in between arcs. Greg's wonderful detective series from Oni Press, and uh, Dex is his uh, lead character, uh, kind of um, a great detective in her own right, but certainly in the Jim Rockford mode, but a very different uh, story as well. You can get Stumptown's hardcover volume one at 30% off. It's only $20.99. We uh, also get into a lot of Wonder Woman talk, and you can reach back for things like Wonder Woman Down to Earth, uh, a great run of Wonder Woman from uh, the past. It is, uh, let's see here, this is the very beginning of uh, Greg's run, and uh, also includes... Uh, Great art by uh, Drew Johnson and Brian Stillfries and Steve Steve Rude and Stuart Immerman and Eduardo Riso, uh, but this is fifty uh, percent off for Down Earth that trade paperback, seven dollars and forty seven cents. You can get the start of uh, his run with um, Liam Sharp that started DC Rebirth Wonder Woman trade paperback number one The Lies. It's forty two percent off nine dollars and eighty five cents. There are other things you can get as well, like uh, Lazarus. How about Volume 3, Conclave? Uh, that volume is 42% off. Greg and Michael Lark, at their best, it's $8.69. Poison, Volume 4, is also available for $8.69. Black Magic Trade Paperback Volume 1, Awakening, 
Greg and Nicola, we talk a lot about that in this uh, conversation as well. 42% off for Volume 1. It's only $5.79. Just the tip of the iceberg of great Greg Rucka product. You can get it in StockTrades.com. Don't forget, if your orders are $50 or more, you'll receive free shipping from our good friends at InStockTrades.com. All right, without further ado, I'm not going to let you wait anymore. Uh, it's time for that new Rucka debrief. It's great to welcome Greg back. So here's our conversation now on Word Balloon. It's been forever, but it's time for a new Rucka debrief. And it's funny because uh, I think back to last C2E2 when uh, Greg and I were able to get together and uh, talk. And it's like, yeah, let's do something. It's like, yeah, yeah, man, like... You know, a couple weeks, couple months, ten months later, here we are. But it's my fault as much as uh, just circumstances. So, Greg Rucka, welcome back to Word Balloon. I, I, I like the opening pun, uh, intended or not, that it's been forever. That was that was funny. <laughs> indeed, yes, indeed, forever. Yeah, Carlisle. but it has been forever. <laughs> it has been. It has been a dog's age, John. I'm sorry, bud. Uh, I, like I said, yeah. I blame myself as life much as happens. Life. Exactly. Yes, but but it's okay now, and uh, this is our opportunity to talk about a lot of yeah. stuff, man. The, the six the six people clamoring for this interview will 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 be able to sleep easily now. Yeah, don't kid yourself. So. You know that. <laughs> uh, everyone's happy when we when we start talking again, and I'm on a roll. I'm uh, I'm touching base with all uh, all the all the good guys and everything. I want to get some uh, real fast because uh, it came up during the Bendis tapes. You visiting yeah. with Brian, and and uh, <laughs> hey, man, that's. I was gonna say- I was, I was going to say, you know, uh, uh, talking to you after you've done one of your epic, you know, <laughs> course meals with Brian always feels like I'm a I'm an inadequate aperitif, you know. <laughs> no, no, we have our we have our uh, marathon sessions as well, and we we get mm. into good good conversation. So, I, 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 I I'm not I, I'm not. I'm not demeaning myself, nor you. It's just that uh, Brian is consistently uh, the hardest act to follow, I think. So. I understand. I do. But yeah, you were saying. You um, were saying. Well, I thought it was, first of all, I mean, I'm, I wasn't surprised, but it was really sweet to hear him say how much he appreciated you, you know, coming to his hospital and hanging out and, and you know, taking his mind off of things and, of anything, really talking about Superman. Because, as I told him, I really felt when you and James Robinson – we're doing your new Krypton stuff. That was the last time uh, for a long time for myself that Superman was interesting. That taking nothing away from Jurgens and Tomasi because I do think the rebirth paradigm shift has righted the problem with Superman. And I do think that the, you know, what, what the guys have been doing in the last, you know, two years with rebirth has been great. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, prior to that, it, I went back to you and Robinson, and I saw a lot of misfires along the way with the new Fifty Two. So, tell me about I would, the. Yeah, I would argue. I, I would argue that there were a lot of misfires uh, when 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 I was on the the book, and and uh, and James and I were doing New Krypton as well. But but that's that's long ago and far away. Yeah, so. it is really long ago. Now that you think about it, my God, six, yeah, six years decade. or so, something like that. No, no, more, more. Was it, was it too? Oh my God! Really? Was it? Well, because yeah. you know there was your run. That with, was pretty much the last stuff I did at DC before uh, I left. Okay. Uh, and I left in March 2009. So yeah, wow. I think it was March 2009. Okay. So okay. yeah, almost almost ten years. Damn. We 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 have. Uh, 
we have uh, we have grown old. <laughs> Sad but true. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, because you know, going to going to see Brian, like you know, I mean, yeah. Well, one would want the same, you know. Oh, sure. Um, if nothing else, one would want the same, and nothing is uh, the quickest way to cheer up Bendis is to get him talking about what he wants to be writing. <laughs> um, and he, you know, it's it's he he gets like a kid on Christmas morning. He gets just excited and and enthusiastic and energized and and you know when when you're lying in a hospital bed and you're thinking about how much it sucks to be stuck in this hospital bed you know uh any anything that'll lift the mood is going to be welcome i would hope so but uh yeah i mean i i was there were a lot of us who came to there, there were a lot of us who came to sit by the bed sure so did uh did you find and again without spoiling what Brian might be doing. And, yeah, he talked in, in general terms about some things. Did you find yourself in agreement with his thoughts on Superman and how he wants to do Superman? And, again, it's not absolute, yeah. but did you – but, yeah. Yeah, no. I, I mean, what, what he described for me, I, I thought was – I thought was actually really exciting. Um, and, you know, people – you know, fans are nervous. And fans get nervous when, when they know change is coming. Sure. And 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 with good reason. Um, I don't know everything he's planning, um, and I suspect some of what he shared with me is probably already changed in the writing. But the thesis that he put forth uh, about how he was approaching the whole project, about how he was approaching. Clark and Lois and Jonathan and Superman and the mythology there and what he wanted to explore, what he really wanted to illuminate uh, and underscore. And, you know, he talked a lot about the thematic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, this is, this is, as an aside, I find it ironic that, you know, this is, we're going to talk about me, right? Of no. course. Um, <laughs> you have to, it's a joke, John. It's a joke. Um, you know, I mean, you know, there, there, there are people who love his writing. There are people who don't. Um, that's the case with all of us. The ideas that he has behind these stories, what he is after and what he's chasing, makes me very excited. Cool. Um, and I think, I think he's going to be really good for Superman. And I think... You know, we, we like I say, I, 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 I see, I see the concerns online, and I kind of want to tell people that you know what, give, give him his due. Sure. Wait, see, think on it. You know, he's got a plan, and uh, and I was excited by the plan. That's cool. Well, and again, I ask you because I, I enjoy your Superman stories. And you know that is very kind of you. I true? think of everything that I've done. Superman was uh, was the most challenging, um, and I and, and I think you know with with distance, I don't think was the best work that I did. Um, that may be me, me being really you know hypercritical of myself. 
it may also be colored by sort of the, the second turn with with that mythology, which was just before I left DC when things were really not good for me mm-hmm. personally, you know, and I was not in a good place. So it may be that I just there's no way for me to look back on that with anything that anyone can mistake for objectivity. Um, but it's good to hear. I'm glad. Well, you know, it's funny, and, I, and I've mentioned this before, and I haven't released it yet, but I have a couple uh, wizard panels from either 2006 or 7, I think 7, and, huh. and it was right during... That Rosemont ones. Yep, exactly, and, and it was either your writing panels, or was your just talking about, you know, Wonder Woman and Superman, and also when Wonder Woman killed Max Lord. And the burden that she carried then and everything. And what I loved was that you really had everyone's, you know, kind of voice and opinion as far as the the top DC heroes, how they would react to it. And I loved your thoughts on Lois and Clark and how they would react to it and everything. And, you know, Lois basically didn't tell him, you dummy, she did it because you were were being killed and she loves you. And not in, you know, not in the, not in the romantic way, but truly that, you know, no, she was not going to let you be harmed. And I could hear Lois and Clark having that conversation. And I really feel like, you know, you, you had their voices down. And again, during, was it adventures that you did with Matthew Clark? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, that stuff and the stuff with uh, Mixia's Pitalik. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I I just really felt like you had all the characters. Yeah, that was, that was the first turn. Yeah. That was the first turn. And and I, and I think the first turn was arguably more successful than the second. I think the second, uh, especially with the Nightwing and uh, Flamebird story, mm-hmm. you know, there was so much stuff going on internally, and we were getting such conflicting direction. There were literally times, literally times when we were in. I remember being in an office, uh, you know, back in the in the New York building, uh, and, and the editor at the time was was Matt Idelson. And somebody coming in who will remain nameless and is not who everybody immediately thinks it is and telling us that we just couldn't do the story that we had spent six months building up to, just they didn't like it and we couldn't do it. And it was, you know, we there was a lot of that going on. So it's very hard. You know, that was stuff that I was doing with Troutman, who, who, mm-hmm. um, who had the unfortunate... Um, the unfortunate benefit of being seen as the guy that Greg had brought in, I think, and therefore never got his fair due. Um, and yeah, so that was, there was, like I said, there was a lot of static there. It's very hard for me to see it clearly. And it's a pity because when I think back on it, the Nightwing and Flamebird stuff that we had wanted to do, I think would have been potentially profoundly affecting. I mean, really moving. Um, there, there was a love story there that we really wanted to tell and, and that I don't think ever executed properly. So understood. those are crazy times though, man, going back there, it was a bad time for me and I don't think it was a great time for DC. So understood. No, I understand, man. Thing, things are much better now. <laughs> yeah. With, with a little space since your Wonder Woman run ended and everything. I mean, how, how are things as far as. Uh, rebirth and the current status quo at DC for you? Well, I'm not doing anything for them right now. I've been talking uh, to Doyle a lot. um, And I've spoken to a couple other editors. I had to pass on something very recently that was really an agonizing pass for me that I, I, 
I couldn't take it. I wanted to desperately and I couldn't. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, I, it was a character I love and I was like, I would, in a heartbeat, I would do this. And I thought I would be able to and then things changed on my schedule and, um, and unfortunately when where I am right now when things change on the schedule, it tends to be work for hire that has to slide. That said, you know, I'm working on something else uh, that hopefully we'll be seeing before the end of 2018 through DC. And uh, there is a plan for me to take on a book um, probably towards the end of the year as well. Uh, and for obvious reasons, I can't say what either of those things are. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but suffice to say that I'm excited about doing them and, and this isn't an issue. I mean, like, I don't have any problems with DC right now. I, I, just speaking personally, my relationship with the company, with the people I've been working with, you know, when I came back to do the Wonder Woman rebirth stuff, that was, you know, that, that was, that was fraught for both myself and I think for DC. Everybody knew there was bad blood there. Um, and the experience was terrific. Great. It was terrific. I mean, if you look at the 25, 26 issues we put out in that run, there's really only one issue in there that wasn't what I wanted it to be. Uh, and you know what? I mean, if you're batting like that in the majors, that's okay. Sure. That's the, the and given the insanity of, of that, you know, twice a month schedule, I think that's even more remarkable. And I've worked with some, and I say this in all sincerity, the, the editorial team uh, on Wonder Woman, you know, Doyle and Chris Conroy and Tay and Dave, just them alone. Uh, and, and, and not even talking about, you know, my, my collaborators. Um, they were just, Sterling. I mean, one of the best, if not the best, editorial team I've ever worked with in in, in the industry. Um, and that's saying something. Uh, you know, that that's saying something because you're talking to a guy who who came into to mainstream comics working in the Bat Group. You know, under Denny O'Neill's Murderers Row. Yep. Uh, so it may be the highest praise I can give. That's excellent, man. And I know that your previous Wonder Woman runs had, uh, you know, its ups and downs as well. And and I know frustrations during the, as I remember it, if I'm if I'm yeah, I mean, though though that was frankly far less an editorial issue than it was a creative one. Okay, I think you know um, we we never managed to get more than I think three issues with the same artist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in that run, I think I think it was rare that we went three issues in a row with, with the same art team. Um, and that was also you got to remember what else is going on in the rest of the. And and that's one of the things you have to consider when you talk about this stuff is that the the industry moves. Yeah, I mean we know this. The industry moves in these waves of of event to event now, mm-hmm. and. You know, at that time, you know, you have to look at what was the event, <laughs> you know, what was what was going on in the universe, and how did it, uh, how how successful was it, what was its impact, uh, 
And, you know, that Wonder Woman run, the, the initial Wonder Woman run, leads up to Infinite Crisis. Right. So, an Infinite Crisis was an enormous undertaking. Sure. Um, and arguably a fairly successful one. And then that, in turn, leads to 52. Um, right. So, right. it's interesting that I guess from an academic sort of 30,000 foot view, you know, we look at runs as these isolated things, but it becomes, I think necessary when, when, when somebody sits down, whoever that person may be, John, um, to write the history of, you know, the big two and, 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 their superhero comics of the early 21st century or whatnot, I would urge them to not just look at the individual runs, but look at the runs in the context of what the company mandates were at that time. Sure. Um, because that influences in a, in a way when you're in it, you don't see it. And when you get out of it, you can really see it. And, and you, you see it, you see it very acutely with DC right now. You know, they, 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 they brought, they had rebirth. Rebirth was a very specific, driven agenda. You know, it was, we have gotten off course. We are going back. We're, we're trying to get the ship righted. That mm-hmm. was basically what it was about. And, and, and DC owning. So the movement in, in the overall line, right, is to in support of that and then to build to, you know, arguably what Jeff was doing with Doomsday Clock. Um, but understand that when we started on Rebirth, nobody knew what Jeff was doing on Doomsday sure, Clock. It was sure. just like, there was this thing, it was going to happen. But, you know, he wasn't telling anybody. Uh, and that may well have been because he wasn't entirely 100% sure, uh, you know, he hadn't finished the story yet. Sure. So it's very hard to talk about it when he's still, you know, developing it in process. If sound has gotten weird, it's because I'm refilling my coffee. For the world, uh, they should know that we're talking at, what, 10, 9.30 night my time, 11.30 your time. So. I understand. Well, I, I just finished my coffee before we spoke, started speaking, so yeah. don't worry about it. I was going to say, unlike, unlike Brian, I am not uh, a night person these days. <laughs> um, so I understand. This is, this is well, you know, I mean, it works very well for him. Uh, he's, he's, he's got... He's got that nice bracket of, of hours, and God, when I am able to work like that, I get more done between ten at night and four in the morning when I am able to do it than I do, you know, if I'm working days. Um, but the flip side of that is, if I'm doing that, I am uh, either going without a lot of sleep, which I can only do for a while, or I don't see my family. So, understood <laughs> the way the way our the way our lives are set up. You know, everybody, every writer builds their schedule um, to, you know, to accommodate them as, as best they can. And uh, I'm 48 now. I'm still trying to figure out what mine is. It's changing <laughs> because the kids keep getting older. Yeah, I was you know say, what I mean? Yeah, they're at activity. I mean, they're at a full full press activity age. So I totally understand. Oh, they're both teenagers. Fuck, I'm, I, I'm, they're both teenagers. And I'm looking at my son. And every time I look at him, I see the timer over his head counting down, you know. You have X many days until he is gone. College, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Does he, he know where he's going? College in the fall. Where's he going? No, he doesn't know where he's going oh yet. What he does know, what he does know, is that everywhere he's applied has come back and said, "We would very much like you to come here." Fantastic. And they call him, and they offer him money. Wow. And they never did that to me. Amen. Or to his mother. So we're both going. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how I feel about this. <laughs> There's a vague sense of jealousy, of envy, <laughs> that combines with the, with the with the paternal pride in me that goes, I didn't get... I mean, he's being offered early admission from schools that he didn't ask for early admission on. That's fantastic. Literally, he had his birthday... His birthday was January 18th, and he had wanted to do something very specific for, for his party, so I had gone out to help him arrange it. And as I'm leaving, he says, hey, Dad, Dad. And I go, what? And he shows me his phone. He's just got an email from this other college that quite literally begins the email saying, man, normally we wouldn't have notified you until like May. <laughs> but we were looking over your application and we decided, well, we like you. We like you. We're going to offer you admission now. I was like, holy mackerel, kid. Wow. So he's looking primarily places in Chicago and in New York. Right oh, that's now. awesome. God, I uh, hope he does come here. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, if he does end up in Chicago, he's, he's going to have you on speed dial, John. No so. problem. Oh, yeah, man. Uncle John will help. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no problem. No, it'd be my pleasure. That's yeah. right. And then my daughter is uh, my daughter's a freshman in high school now. And, yeah, and is uh, enduring the the un, unenviable uh, freshman year of high school, but she's also um, she's doing something called the August Wilson Project, which is this uh, national competition um, that focuses on you know the works of August Wilson mm-hmm. on, on on his on centenary cycle, and it is uh, it's really this remarkable program, and it sort of has basically has regional finals and then winners of the regional finals will actually go to Broadway and perform the monologues that they've been working on in the August Wilson theater. Um, and she got the regional finals this coming Monday. So, wow, that's great. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It actually, this is people are going to be like, okay, you're going to have to when you when you post this, you're going to have to mark, you know, minute seventeen to minute twenty eight. <laughs> Ruckett talks about his kids, um, so people can skip it. I I care, and I think a lot but of your fans care. And I, I think... know you care. <laughs> I know you care. <laughs> I can't I can't speak for anybody else. Well, but I will say future it, writers, it, it is it is a hell of a thing, and yeah. and, uh, and and we're crazy proud of her that's so. excellent well she's following in the family business which is terrific we need more yeah. writers in the world that's good oh god no <laughs> <laughs> no that's really great that's Fantastic. funny i keep there's a song there's there's a line from ben fold's song i can't remember i used to know what the song was um i can't remember the name of the song but there's there's a lyric in it that goes you're so much like me I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That right there. Yes. What's, what's Ashley is very much like me. Elliot is very much like Jen. So that's cool. What's, what's Elliot's major going to be? Or he doesn't. I have no idea. All right. And, uh, 
I'm not sure he knows either. Interesting. All right. Uh, he's, he's got uh, a lot of interests right now. You know, he's still dancing. Cool. Uh, and, you know, he's designing his own clothes. So go figure. Damn, that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Very cool. All right, there, there we go. We got the family update now, Jen. I, I yeah, you know, I, man, I, I gotta. I know. I say it every time we talk. I gotta catch up with Jen. It's been far. Yeah, you got to catch up with her. Yeah, it's embarrassing how long. It's yeah, been and she actually, she actually just got back from the U of O. She was down in Eugene for the last uh, day and a half. She's going to be teaching this spring. Wow. Um, the three hundred level practicum in the comics, uh, com- the comic studies. Uh, minor. Oh, cool! And um, the guy who runs that program, uh, Ben Saunders, Doctor Ben Saunders, basically reached out to her and said, "Hey, you, you've got a master's degree from this institution. You know how it works here, and you could teach the practical." So she's going to be doing a course uh, that will start this spring down there. So she was down the last day and a half getting all that ready. Wow, that's great. Ben, ben Saunders has yep. moderated panels for you guys, right, at uh, Emerald City? Yeah. Places of the like? And yeah. British oh, yeah. guy, ben, correct? And, uh, he, he, uh, Welsh, but yeah. Welsh, all right. And he, uh, well, yeah, it matters to him. Uh, no, no, no. I, no I, I it, it matters to everybody in Wales, I suspect. Uh, <laughs> that's so okay. he, uh, yeah, no, Ben, you know, Ben's, you know, been serious academic. Yeah, man. Uh, with a fantastic, with a fantastic wardrobe of suits, and uh, <laughs> and he does great scholarly work, and he moderates a hell of a panel. That's awesome. He's, he's a lot like you, actually. He he's, he 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 makes it very easy to 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 talk. And he asks good questions, and yeah, if you get a chance to see a Ben Saunders presentation every now and then, like he'll present at San Diego Comic Con or Rose City or Emerald City or. Forever, and he'll do you know he'll do a an hour long lecture on you know the history of Wonder Woman, you know, and the political symbolism relating to the bondage, or he'll talk about peanuts and then you know Kirby or whatever. Cool. He knows his stuff, and he's wildly entertaining, um, which is always great because there's nothing worse than being. I'm really interested in the subject, and the person who's talking about it is dry as sand. Sure. Um, Ben's Ben's engaging as hell. So I remember when you and and Ed and Ben did a Gotham Central panel at the last time I believe I was at um, Emerald City. Wow! And you got yeah, I yeah, think it was like two thousand years ago. Yeah, like at least eight years ago. And I know you guys were kind enough to let it, me record it and play it on Word Balloon. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If people want to reach back in the archives, you will find that excellent discussion about. You'll Gotham link Central. to it. Yeah, man. No. Back in the day, yeah, it was good. No, absolutely, man. Yeah. All right, so um, now let's talk about uh, the creator-owned stuff that's going on. And uh, God, yeah, it, it's current. Yeah, man. Um, and here, because I wanna, I wanna say it properly, because I've got it here. All right, because I know. Good luck. <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. Um, well, first of all, with Lazarus, the X Plus sixty yeah. six miniseries has wrapped up, and the trade is coming out yeah, March seventh, right? I believe so. That's correct. Yeah. Excellent. Great, great addition. Uh, in fact, Troutman, Troutman emailed me this morning about that cover copy, which is always a sign that he's almost finished assembling it. Um, and, yeah, it'll collect all six issues in the mini. Uh, so six different artists. And how many? One, two, three, four. There are four writers in me, including me. Because uh, Troutman and I did 
issues one, four, five, and six together. I wrote issue two uh, with Aaron Duran uh, and issue three with Neil Bailey. So cool. And then we had, you know, Steve Lieber, and just a whole host of artists uh, all the way through. So it's, it's uh, it, last issue came out about well, almost two months later than we had wanted. We were supposed to wrap up in December. Uh, but Tristan Jones had been drawing it. Um, it was, it's amazing. And I don't know what I, I said this actually in the letter column of, of the last issue of, of, of uh, 66 issue six. I don't know what it is about Lazarus. The book I swear is cursed. Um, it's just like, we cannot, the whole goal of the mini series, right? Was Michael is burnt to a crisp. He needs time to get his batteries recharged. Sure. So we're going to make sure that he can do that. And in the interim, we're going to set up this mini series. We're going to give it to different artists. We're going to make sure everything is done with all the lead time we can. And the goal there on, uh, on top of, you know, the stories we wanted to tell that we weren't going to be able to tell anywhere else in the series because the nature of the series is that we're following forever right. and what's really happening close to her. So you're never going to see, you were never going to see the Sari Cooper story in issue five, for instance. And, and there was really no way to tell the stories uh, in, in, in issues in particular in issues two, four and six in the main series. We would never have been able to do it. So, you know, there was a very, practical goal, which was, let's tell these stories that I want to see told that are going to matter in the grand scheme of where we're going in this series. That was number one. Mm -hmm. Number two was, let's use this as a way to move our calendar forward in the series. We started issue one in the year of X-64. The miniseries, obviously, it's obviously takes us through X-66. Mm -hmm. uh, when we come back into Fracture, it's going to be late 67, early 68. So we will have covered four years since the start of the series. That's another goal. And then on a very practical level, right, give Michael the, the breather. He needs it because he's got many more issues to draw after this. Sure. And I don't want my artist burnt out. And then we were like, and we'll do this and it'll come out on schedule man plans. God laughs <laughs> because man, we, you know, first issue, no problem. Second issue squeaked it in just over the line. Okay. Third issue. Okay. Fourth issue. Yeah. Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Literally, literally the hurricane delayed that book quite literally it wow. was like well that's an act of god <laughs> I mean, sure. that, that is an expert definition of act of god right sure. so then okay five we got all right five we made and then six was just like oh my god everything that could have gone wrong and poor tristan you know who's in melbourne you know, and I'm emailing and going, where, where are the pages? He's like, well, I just had to take Jen to the hospital. Oh. Like, okay. You know, and I, I got to tell you, after 20 years in the industry, 
uh, I am hip to all the artist tricks. And there are artists out there who, for instance, will say, no, I'm working on it. And then what they'll do is they'll send you a photo of the page on the board. Uh, and, and, and that's supposed that, and that's meant to be, see proof I'm working on it. Right. I don't need that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I am hip to every trick at this point. And, and, and at a certain point you go like, yeah, this isn't bullshit. This is, this is, this is just rotten fucking luck is all this is. This is just rotten fucking luck. Well, life gets in the way, uh, as you say. I mean, you know, these things happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I mean, God, every or, every artist did great, and it really was thrilling. Because I mean, really, Lazarus, and I and and I know it's in in the works, and you've been very open about this in the letters page that Amazon is, uh, you know, moving forward with with Lazarus, which is fantastic news. The pacing has always felt incrementally. Yeah, yeah, incrementally, we are we are moving forward. We we uh, actually yesterday uh, completed another step in that journey. Okay. And, uh, all goes well. We'll have, I, I am I really, really want them just, to, I really want them to say, yes, go ahead. You're making it simply so I can tell people this is who we're working with. Sure. This is what's going on. Sure. Um, I, I to, to be able to talk about all the things that I can't talk about, you know, <laughs> it's like, but it, we're alive, um, which I suppose is, is the, the best thing I can say there. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're still, we still have a pulse. Um, we are still loved. We have some really, really good parents at Amazon. Um, and parents who have, uh, accounted themselves in a, and, and accorded themselves in such a way that they were, uh, were, were not caught in any of the recent unpleasantnesses. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amazon uh, that, yeah, that, shake up on yeah. top because of sexual harassment and big changes yeah. in, uh, in terms of the leadership and Amazon streaming and everything. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's actually very heartening to me. Sure. Uh, because in as much as, in as much as one can prove a negative in that sense, you know, when, Look, they're still there, and they're still able to do their jobs, and they're doing them well, and they're still they still like us. So cool. I, I I take it as a good sign that we are we're working with the right people. Um, but it's it's an interesting journey. I mean, at some point, you know, God knows if 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 we if we get there, right? If if we get to the place where hey, guess what? Season one, ten episodes. I would love to you know do like. Episode debriefs with you or something, and be able to talk about them and, and talk about the process. I think that would be a hoot in the hall. I would and, love. And I would love for that. Potentially, yeah. I mean, and potentially really educational. Yeah, man. You know, informative, at least. Well, truly, so. I mean, because honestly, that's how it's been. Uh, even talking to Brian about you know the couple seasons of Powers and also Oming as well. Yeah. And and no, I, I appreciate that perspective. The few conversations I've been able to have with Loeb when he's got time to talk about the Netflix Marvel stuff. No, I think it is. It's it's a very interesting time. It's a great time, not only for television, period, but also that they do appreciate the world building that's going on in comics and giving, you know, people like yourself, potentially, in the case of Lazarus, the opportunity to expand on these things. And, I mean, that's what I wanted to say about the miniseries. They felt like, in the best way, 
when you do have a chance to to focus on some characters that, like you said, may not get the the FaceTime that yeah. they would during the regular series. And that that's well, the great and, thing know, about the miniseries, definitely. And the, and that's one of the great appeals about... I mean, one of the things that gets me so excited about the potential of, of doing Lazarus for television is that I, I, had, a, I had a call with a... Uh, with a producer about a different uh, property uh, last week, and um, and and this guy was saying, "Well, you you know, so you, would you want to do each arc or whatnot?" And I was like, "No, because it doesn't work that way." You know, if if you take, for instance, Family, which is the first arc of Lazarus, mm-hmm. that's not an hour of television. It's just not. If you just take that alone and try to adapt it, you get maybe 40 minutes. Maybe. The whole miniseries, of, or the whole first arc of Family. You the, think it's for, the whole first arc. Go on. Yeah, the first arc. You, you, the first four issues, you get maybe 40 minutes. Interesting. Of television. Okay. Arc. One of the things that the medium demands, and one of the reasons I get so enthusiastic about being able to tell the story in that format, is that, it is. Let me let me rewind it. Sure. It's 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 forty minutes because if you only take what's there on the page, what's there on the page is dictated by what you can do in the amount of pages you have. So if you are doing twenty four page issues, say, right, mm-hmm. you've got ninety six pages overall to tell the story. That's actually not a hell of a lot of room to go wandering off. Um, people talk about, well, it's decompressed, you know, we, and we still hear that word today, though I'm hearing it less often. Nothing's decompressed. Space in a comic is at a premium. If a writer and an artist are spending time on something, it's because it's important to what they are trying to do in the aggregate, right? Yeah. So the choices that you make in those 96 pages, say, of family, are choices that in some cases, draw characters very quickly and sometimes uh, unfairly. You're not being entirely fair to a character because you're picking a moment to relay them in a specific way. You are narrowing focus to follow your protagonist or protagonists. Sometimes your antagonists or you know antagonist or antagonists. Sure. There's not a whole lot more room. <clears throat> So when you come to television, one of the things you can do is actually start seeing those moments that you couldn't show elsewhere. You can start illuminating the internal lives of characters who just have never been given that opportunity on the comic book page. And, and, and I'll give you, a, I'll give you, a, by way of another example, I guess, <clears throat> we finished Act 66. Mm-hmm. Vasilovka sourcebook came out today. Yes, I wanted to ask about trade that. For six, yes. Yeah, so Trade for 66 comes out at the beginning of March. April, we're back with Lazarus 27, right? Right. Solicit for it has already dropped. And the solicit says, right, you know, at the beginning of the Conclave War, Forever Carlisle was told to murder her brother, John. Uh, she didn't. This is what happened after he went into the water. Right. Issues 27 and 28 are two parts of what we're calling the Fracture Prelude. Mm-hmm. Fracture is going to be the next arc. They're about Jonah, 
right? Right. Forever is not in them. That's a spoiler right there. Forever is not okay. in them. <laughs> and when I was talking to Michael and I was sending him the script, and Michael and I talk a lot, right? Sure. Um, and, and, and he voiced, as he sometimes does, his concern that after having been away for so long, we're now going to make people wait uh, an extra couple of months before yeah. we get back to forever. And yeah, I get that. I get it. But we have to tell this story. This has to be seen. This is part of the overall. We have to know what happened to Jonah. Mm-hmm. People have been waiting in some cases three years to find out what happened to sure. Jonah. They know Forever's going to be back. They can wait a couple months more. But his point's valid, all right? The fact that that's a discussion, right, that we're having is not – that's a very different discussion when you're talking about television. Because in television, right, we could show this and also show that. Yes. And in the comic here, we can't. We've got these two issues, 27 and 28, are Jonah's issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be a month off. That'll be April and May. We're going to be off in June. And then Fresher will begin in July Got it. Uh, with issue 29. And, yes, Forever will be there front and center, I promise. And, uh, and, and yeah, you know, hopefully people will have found it worth, worth waiting for. So Interesting. Yeah. But <laughs> it, 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 it's structurally, like I say, it, it's structurally um, – a very different beast when you're working in this format in television. But God, man, I mean, some of the stuff I'm so happy with, with, with what we've written so far. Yeah. Uh, and I say we, because I'm working with somebody and I can't say who I'm working with. Oh, okay. With uh, what's coming up. Okay. But yeah. No, no. I mean, for, for television, for television, excuse me. Okay. For television. Got it. Yeah. So, no, man. Uh, but the showrunner, the showrunner I'm, I'm working with is uh, we, we are we are of a uh, we are of a shared mind. So excellent. Well, again, I can it, I, I can see. Forgive me, I can see what you've provided in the source material. That yeah, I, I think will it will make for an excellent television television series, and the different voices and the different uh, points of view that come from this world building that you've created and everything. And again, the miniseries gave us this great opportunity again to expand on these characters that when yeah. you know when forever does meet the russian the dragon it will be yeah when, when she meets the jamay it's going to be <laughs> and i gotta tell you issue six of uh, of the miniseries is actually going to be really important when when that time finally comes that makes sense because yeah uh, i mean that's the thing they're, no, they're, it informed the character it absolutely did yeah so yeah that's that's great man and no and that's and, and i would imagine that lazarus fans have been hanging on each issue of the miniseries. I don't know the numbers, but it would seem to me. I think it's interesting, and I'm not sure where, where the signal got lost in the noise. I think a lot of fans of the series were just like, what happened? The book disappeared. And they didn't know about the miniseries. Um, because we had a couple people like, you know, reaching out in the last couple months going like, are you guys ever coming back? And we we're like, yeah, did, aren't you reading the miniseries? And the response was, what miniseries? Oh. <laughs> it's like... Oh boy, I can only imagine how that looked from their point of view. It's like, and then all of a sudden the series stopped. It just ended. You know, <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. I said, I said in the letters column, I said this is what we were going to do. You know, so. Oof. Well, again, if you haven't been reading 
the good news is that the uh, the the collected edition is coming out March seventh. As yeah. you say, the source book. As we're recording this, we're recording this on the twenty first, and the is yeah. it the third source book that came out? Yep, the third source book dropped today. <laughs> Vasilovka. That is crazy, man. But again, so much yeah. big world building that it makes sense. So are people, and forgive me, I haven't been picking up the source books. So tell me, are these four people that want to role play in this world? Um, that's not the primary purpose. Though uh, Green Ronin, right, is doing an RPG, um, basically a world supplement to uh, their modern age role-playing game okay. that is that is the Lazarus source book. So that Lazarus book that Green Run-In is publishing, uh, and if you're a real deep Lazarus nerd, uh, there's nothing in there is not... I've signed off on everything. That thing... <laughs> the people involved in writing that book... Nothing went in there that I did not sign off on. Cool. So if you're if you're a deep net Lazarus nerd and you want to know more, uh, that 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 book is going to have a whole bunch of stuff in it as well. Um, as far as I'm concerned, and one of the goals because I'm a gaming geek, you know, I'm a, I'm a tabletop gamer. Yeah. I have been since I was nine or ten. So it matters to me that that the uh, that the universe be consistent. And coherent. So, if you pick up the source books in your comic book store, you know the Carlisle one or the Hawk one or the Vasilovka one, and then you pick up the role playing game. All of it is in agreement, and all of it is canon. Cool. Um, cool. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but I believe Green Run In is publishing it in PDF in March, and then in uh, actual print in April. Awesome. Uh, so to answer the to answer the the, the initiating question, John. The goal isn't the goal with the source books was never to be like this is a role playing supplement. It was actually meant more as all of us looking around and going like, "You remember those handbooks in the Marvel Universe? Weren't those cool?" Yes, uh, and wanting to do something like that. And but but the obvious value of those to the role playing community, uh, well, or the value of those to the role playing community, I should say, is obvious. And once the game comes out, actually, I would like to figure out a way um, in the back matter of each issue to do like a sidebar, you know, where we stat out an NPC or something and say like, you know, this here's somebody who appeared in this issue. Here they are statted, you know, and let people drop them in or whatnot. Hilarious. The thing, you know, when you, when, when you, when you do something like that, when you do a role-playing game, you know, in, in the universe, you're handing it over and you're saying, look, now, now you guys get to decide. It doesn't matter what Michael and I are doing over here in the series. You know, somebody can run a game and the first thing they do is, oh, Forever Carlisle's dead. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's their right. They have to have that freedom. Otherwise, it's not really a game. You know what I mean? Sure. Everybody has to be able to tell the story they want to tell. But, um, I'm excited for that too, and I, and I have to say, of all the things that sort of, I wrote an introduction for the, um, for the RPG, and I think in it I said as much, which is, you know, I'm, I am by all accounts a successful writer. I get to do this for a living. It's enough, you know. I make enough money. I'm talking about sending my kid to college, <laughs> but I honestly don't think I've ever felt as I, I, I don't think I've ever felt the moment of I've made it. 
as it was as when they came and said, yeah, we'd like to do an RPG. And I was like, Star! That's fantastic. The 10-year-old, yeah, the 10-year-old in me was just running around the block, you know, squealing with glee. So, <clears throat> yeah. Somewhere along the line, and I don't know when, and I don't know where, I would love to actually be able to run a game at like a con um, for somebody and be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> get a group of, you know, five or six people, maybe do it for like the hero initiative. Sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Do it as a fun fundraiser, you know, like pay, you know, $50 a chair or a hundred bucks a chair, you know, get six people in there and run like a four hour session with, with, you know, with me running it. Cause frankly, I may not know the mechanics, but I sure as hell know the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I honestly, and maybe I'm nuts, but I think that would be cool to have a video camera running on something like that. And I understand four hours. It's like, but, but I do think the storytelling potential is there, and I do. Th- and from an entertainment standpoint, if you, I think Lazarus fans would love to see that kind of scenario play out and hear the storytelling that's going on during the RPG. So could be, you know, it, it it could definitely be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, I, I I think there is no there's the either that or it could just be an unmitigated disaster but i suspect fun <laughs> with the right I'm opt for fun with the right people the um well I, again where you've left things as far as the main story with the fifth arc and everything i mean yeah we are all excited and anticipating and i mean we're seeing you know forever's uh replacement being trained and uh yeah. you know eight. number 8 exactly and uh yeah. and also joanna kind of revealing to forever finally a lot more of the secrets behind her own existence and her. But do you, do you believe her motives? I love, I love, I love the arguments people get into about Johanna. That, that to me is very reassuring. Even Michael's like, I don't trust her. <laughs> of I'm course drawing not. her and I hate her. You know? <laughs> well, that's like a good soap opera. We're really not sure what her motivations are and how, yeah. I mean, and obviously they're serving her goals as much as they are. Uh, I'm sure there is a level of, you know, I mean, a regret or guilt if she is at all human, and I guess that is one of the questions, is her own humanity and everything. But, yeah, I mean, you know, again, Forever is realizing that she was, you know, grown in a in a very un, <laughs> normal, abnormal yeah. way. Every, everything we told you about you was a lie, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, then, I'm fine with that. <laughs> um, but it's also important to remember, you know, where we left off, Joe had gone to Michael Barrett and basically said, figure out a way to unhook the controls on her. And what we saw at the end of, of Cole was apparently he had come up with something that was his initial short term solution to that. So in two years, God knows what he may have done. So then you have another, you know, there's, there's another question, which is what happens when forever can't be controlled by them? Right. Well, and further, uh, I mean, what's waiting for her down the road is, I'm sure, some sort of confrontation with eight, number eight, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that that is coming. And also, man, I, I loved and I reread uh, five in, in preparation for talking uh, tonight. And, uh, you know, that chess game with with Malcolm, uh, I thought was really great. And and the obviously the conflict that she's feeling and even his confession of hey i understand you didn't get here in a conventional way but that doesn't mean i don't consider you my daughter yeah. and you again have to question his motivations obviously you know it was it, I, i'm 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 pleased that 
that you call that out. Um, it's funny, I was talking to Ben Saunders uh, about this a couple this a couple years ago. I forget which which Marvel movie it was. Um, he was talking to a, a colleague of his uh, who had gone to see whatever the film was and who was the father of uh, an adopted son. And I guess there's a line, I can't remember which one, there's a line in it where Thor says about Loki, uh, he's my brother. Uh, and then Loki does a thing or whatnot, and Thor says he's adopted. <laughs> and, and yeah, and, and it's and it's a funny line, except Ben's friend was like, I can't take him, I can't take my boy to see it now. Wow. Um, and it was, and it's funny because that, that really stuck with me because it is a funny line. It's fair humor, but for somebody out there, that's not a joke. I hear you. Right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and and it mattered to me that Malcolm say to forever, it does not matter how you came to us. It doesn't change the fact that I'm your dad. I'm your father. It doesn't matter if your mother had carried you for nine months or if you were grown in a vat, right? If you had been adopted, I'm still you're you're still my daughter, and I still love you. And again, you can and you should, you know, not trust anything that comes out of Malcolm's mouth, <laughs> right? He may be telling the truth. He may not. Right. One of the things. You know what? And it's it's interesting. I've talked to authors about this. Fiction, even messy fiction, tends to be infinitely cleaner than life is. You know, because we don't we we don't we don't allow for fictional for fictional motivations to be conflicted very often. It's it's very hard to do. Somebody is either this or they're that. They cannot be this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you grant that to multiple people, it becomes even worse, right? You know, can Joe love her sister and also be using her? Well, the answer is yes. Sure. But the first blush is to go, no, it's got to be one or the other. And that, that's, you know, that, that extends. And, you know, in Lazarus, very few people actually have clear... Very, very, what's the what's the way I want to phrase this? Almost everybody is muddied. Almost everybody is dealing with incredible internal conflicts. Um, and every so often in the series, you'll see them, you know, come up. You know, the periscope breaks the surface for a moment, but then it goes back down because everybody's also incredibly guarded. Forever's life. You know, up until now, like I said, it's really straightforward. But now things are going to start getting very muddied for her because now the question before, you know, before when she's on oxytocin and whatever else, her emotions are very clouded, but they are directed. Right? She loves her family because she's chemically inclined to. And you take that stuff off and... Now she has to start making some real decisions. Um, like I say, we're going to come back to her two years after the fact. And the board will have again changed. Sure. 
one of the things that that's very clear and that will become clear in issues in issue 28 is that the conclave war is still going on and it's not going well for Carlisle. Um, that that they're in real trouble when we come back and fracture. Um, so yeah, uh, and and what's the worst time in the world to have? arguably your greatest strategic asset deciding, you know, potentially, I'm not sure I'm with you guys anymore. <laughs> uh, might be then. But yeah, so we're going to get back to forever. We're going to get back to Sonia. We'll, we'll get back to everybody. We'll see the whole game. Very cool, man. No, and, and yeah. you know, uh, again, the, even the prelude, uh, you know, everyone is wondering whatever happened to uh, and I'm forgetting right now, her brother. Jonah. Jonah, of course, yeah. yes. Shame on me, yeah. yes. So that'll be awesome. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very excited. And again, I think uh, I think the miniseries set the table for the prelude as well. And uh, and yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm excited with, uh, like I said, rereading five. I'm like, ooh, you know, let's let's get going. So can't happen soon enough, but I but I appreciate the the pacing that you're doing, and I think uh, this is good. So I, I'm excited for the months ahead and. Uh, the full blast return in July, but certainly the prelude should be uh, excellent as well. Yeah, I'm excited. Cool. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to people being able to to to, uh, to to get back to it, for lack of a better phrase. Sure, man. Well, and then, um, and you know, we missed the old guard, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm and I'm embarrassed to say that because I really did want to talk to you about the old old guard. So now is our opportunity. Is there uh, is the second arc coming? Uh, in point of fact, yes. Excellent. Second arc, uh, work on the second arc has begun. Oh, excellent. Um, Leo has drawn and now inked the first nine pages of the first issue of the second story. And I know he's done this because he's emailed me and said, I need more pages. Uh, to which my response was, my laptop died, man. Uh, I've been trying to get one to work for the last two days. So, <laughs> and I can't write on my phone. Um, I understand. <laughs> which sounds like a brilliant excuse. It would be. Yeah, that's like almost like excuse. taking a, a photograph of uh, the draft board, and, and... yeah, it is. It's, it's, exactly, it's, it's the writer's equivalent. It's the writer's equivalent of saying, uh, "See, look, I'm working on it." Uh, <laughs> I appreciated that nobody came back and said, "Oh, your laptop died, and how come you're emailing me?" <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's uh, it, it has been um, it has been a long time coming, and it took me. I, I have to admit, it took me a while. Uh, to figure out what the second one was about. Um, knowing, you know, the, the first one, what it was about was pretty straightforward. It was about, hi, these people are immortal. Right. This is why it sucks. You know, this is, this is why it's not a great thing. This one, you, you, I don't want to go back to that well. So, <clears throat> and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be, uh, Niall, uh, in, in the first in, in the first <clears throat> series, is uh, as much as I love the character. Somebody quite smart pointed out that she actually has no influence whatsoever on the plot. She influences the story, but she has no influence on the plot. Everything that happens in the first story arc happens regardless of Niall's presence in it. Um, and again, shortcoming of comics, also shortcoming of writer. Um, this is one of those instances where the two combine, 
because um, there was a lot that I wanted to set up. But the first story is really Andy's story. Okay. So I wanted to uh, I wanted to make sure that I, I gave Niall her due um, in this one, and I didn't want to go back to the the same conflict well of oh woe is me I'm six thousand years old. Um, so it, it, like I said, it took me a while to find what it was. And then when I found it, I was like, Oh God, that, this is going to suck. I have research I have to do. Cause one of the things that Leandro <clears throat> I think loves most in the series is being able to draw the historical flashbacks. And, uh, you know, every, every moment we picked in the first story, you know, they were, they're, they're, reasonably historically accurate. There are things that happen. The years are correct, you know. Okay. Can't yeah. guarantee what happened in them happened, but, you know, we were, we were close. Um, so, you know, I don't want to make up history. You know what I mean? Sure. And one of the things that I never really want to do with the story is um, I never want, <clears throat> for instance, what's a good example I, I, I don't want to do a historical flashback where you discover that because of something that Andy did or Joe did or Nikki did or Booker did at a certain point in this, at a certain place, that was the thing that, um, you know, altered history so dramatically, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. That, that, but at the same time, they have had a profound effect on history, um, which is something that I suspect we will get to, if not in this story, in a later one, which is that, you know, if you, if you save a life or take a life 500 years ago, the butterfly effect of that can be astronomical, and there may be no way to track it. You know, the, the person who you saved in, you know, you know, in, in, in the, I'm trying to think of a good siege, you know, <laughs> you know, in the siege of whatever, in whenever, you know, 500 years later, there's a direct descendant who is responsible for developing, um, you know, the A1C blood test that allows for early detection of diabetes. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, they, they have to have had that effect simply, simply just because they've been around that long. Um, but the idea that they know it or can see it uh, is, is potentially really, I think, problematic on a storytelling level. And it goes to another thing, which is the mythology. <clears throat> and I have my own internal mythology as to why they exist and how they exist um, and how many there are of them and why it is that sometimes they die and sometimes they don't. Um, but I really don't have any interest in ever telling the story where they figure it out. Okay. Um, okay. As opposed to I, like Highlander, you know, where you do kind of find out. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah. I, I I think for them, I, I like the existential question of why me, and they might be able to eventually get to. Uh, I think I know why me, but 
again, kind of like life, that answer should be somewhat dissatisfying. You know, if you were to ask Nikki, I mean, if, if, if you were to ask Nikki, Nikki has a theory. You know, if you were to ask Joe, he would say, I don't care. Uh, and if you were to ask Andy prior to the second story, she would say, I don't care. I just want it over. Um, but I do think that there is one of the big things about the second story is going to be about making, making right with the, your, the sins of your past. Um, and in that, I guess it's sort of allegorical, uh, to a lot, uh, I, I guess in a way you could read it as a potential allegory to sort of the United States, um, you know, sure. a lot of, a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of the agony that the country is in right now, I really do feel it's because there are a lot of people willing to look in the mirror and there are uh, a cadre of people who resolutely refuse to say, yeah, we did, we did wrong. Understood. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are far more of us who are willing to go, yeah, we fucked up. Let's make right. Um, but it's a painful process. Right. And, and dealing with that other side. And I actually, uh, yeah, when we, when we finish the go around of the, of, of the creator of books, yeah, I want to get, get back to, the culture wars of today and what's going on because uh, yes, I know you're a foot soldier and you're happy to express your opinions and but um, uh, well, regarding the old guard though, as far everybody as... knows my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I make no secret of my opinions. Will the old guard? Know? Will the old guard continue in the current modern era, or will it as the you know the end of the story? Uh, yeah, you know, I had somebody ask me that. Um, well, because you with, got that line, end of that first one. One hundred years from yeah. today, we'll meet again. And yeah. Until then, you're alone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to write a future story with them. Okay. Um, Good. And it was funny because when I was asked that, when I was asked that, I was surprised by the question. I was like, "Really? You think I'm going to jump ahead?" <clears throat> it seems to me potentially really silly. Well, not silly, but it it it's potentially. You know, I know mean, as Greg's going to do another sci-fi thing. I've got a sci-fi thing right now in the future. It's it's Lazarus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not sure seeing the old guard in space <laughs> is, uh, is 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 someplace I want to go. Um, you know what? R- right now the, the 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 new series begins with Andy and Niall. It looks like they're just racing high performance sports cars up up uh, California Route One outside of Big Sur. Uh, and then I'm totally spoiling this, but then I think I posted the page online because I was so tickled by it. Uh, and then the, the idea is you get the page churned and you see that basically all of the California Highway Patrol is chasing them. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Helicopters, you know, 100 cars. You know? <laughs> cool. Uh, I, I, uh, there's a, a guy, a uh, uh, journalist, um, Jonathan Gitlin, who... Uh, I met him via Lazarus correspondence who writes for amongst other places, Ars Technica. Uh, but he's a big like car guy. He does a lot of reporting on cars. And I actually emailed him and I said, I need like two of these flankiest high performance, super sports cars you can think of. Cause they are not my thing. You know, I don't know. And he gave me a list and then he was like this one. And if you wreck this one, it'd be great because it's gross. <laughs> I was like, perfect. That's exactly what I want. Exactly what I want. 
And of course, Leo being Leo, you know, drew the fuck out of these pages. Outstanding. Amazing. So, you know, he's so good. Um, he's so beautifully kinetic. Um, so, well, I, yeah, his, your, when you guys did, uh, your queen and country arc, I was immediately a fan. So when, when, yeah. when Olgard came up, I'm like, Oh, I'm really glad you guys are working together again. Yeah. So. No, he's, he's tremendous. And, and he frankly deserves, uh, better than me. So, uh, and better from me, I should not keep him waiting. And then the biggest problem with the Lazarus TV development is that it's eating enormous amounts of time because it's, it is in what in Hollywood is referred to for, as first position. So when Amazon calls, uh, you know, everything gets dropped. Sure. Uh, so. Well, and then uh, moving to Black Magic, you're, you're wrapping yeah. up the second arc? Yeah. Well, technically, we're wrapping up the first arc. Um, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Sure. Uh, we, we've sort of always envisioned the series as sort of three acts. Oh. Um, okay. And... The first act concludes with issue 11. Uh, and then we will have a three-month break, uh, as is requisite um, for completing an arc, right? We'll take the month off. Okay. Then the trade will come out, and we'll take a month off. And then we will be back with issue 12. Uh, we thought about renumbering, but I, I think that that's kind of cheating and confusing. Um, but, but Nicola and I have always imagined this is, you know, we're, this is a 30, 30 to 35 issue series. Okay. Um, so we will, we will begin the, uh, the second act. Uh, also I think that'll be July. Probably. I have to check my calendar. So yeah. And Nick of course is, is barely when she, she's funny because she'll talk about, I'll say, how are you doing? And she'll say, and she'll be like, head down, ass up. <laughs> you know that's you know, she is she's so Australian in some ways. You know, it's just like I'm blunt. I am body, and if you blush, that's on you. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's head down, ass up, and she has been head down, ass up on issue eleven, and is going to be finished shortly. So she and I actually have to have a talk this week. Uh, and figure out exactly what we want to do at the start of 12. And I have once again written myself into one of those corners where I want to go, it'd be nice to jump ahead in time, but I can't. So I'm going to have to figure out if there's a way to sort of finesse it. Okay, yeah, um, with, the, with, the, with the baby, and, and I would imagine as far as jumping in time well, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to jump so far that, you know, I, I don't want to soap opera the baby. Look, walking and talking. Um, it's totally it, so far for you, right? <laughs> it, 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 it's less that than wanting to. Um, it, it, it's less of that than actually wanting to let some time pass. The problem is that there are certain questions that still haven't been answered at the end of eleven. Okay, and it is not plausible that say two months would pass without an answer coming. Um, so one way that I may end up approaching it is I may be jumping about in time in that issue, uh, until we sort of crystallize into the, into the new timeline. Um, time in black magic has been really interesting. Actually, it's, 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 we haven't used 
uh, captions sort of to mark time in the same way that we've uh, that we do over in Lazarus, for instance. So that in 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 Black Magic, it tends to be if you're not reading the dialogue carefully, you'll miss the fact that somebody said, you know, well, that was three weeks ago or whatnot. Um, and and in that, it's it's been moving, I think, in a more subtle way. But because of both Rowan and Alex being witches, the calendar matters. You know, I mean, it really matters. Sure. Knowing where they are in it, knowing when the moon is full, knowing when you know the solstice is, these things are important to the story. So uh, I had initially really wanted to have uh, issue eleven sort of culminating on on Sawin. And I just I couldn't do it, and, and I, I could not, I could not finesse it so that it 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 would have happened naturally. It would have looked really forced if I was like, "Hey, it's sawing too," you know. So. <laughs> well, I you know I, I imagine, I mean, I'm, and I'm looking at the letters pages. I'm talking to you and stuff. I mean, clearly, yeah, the the fandom obviously is, must be loving this. I'm sure the Wiccan people are absolutely enjoying. The, uh, I hope so. You know, uh, well, or if nothing else, I hope there. I, I hope I'm uh, not offending anybody. <laughs> you know, I understand. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, it, 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 it's important. Like I say, it's it, it's important to remember that Alex and Rowan are not quote unquote technically wicked, um, but that doesn't mean. Oh, that 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 doesn't that that doesn't that doesn't excuse or separate. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, th- that 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 what we posited with them is that their tradition is uh, is not a rediscovered one. It's it's the original. Understood. Um, yes. Yes. So, but by the same token, then you don't want to say so. What what's being practiced now as as Wicca is therefore wrong or derivative? I don't want to do that. Uh, one of the beautiful things about Wicca is that it's so individual. You know, it, it allows for such individuality of spiritualism and of, of faith and of worship that it's actually it, it is it, it is a needle that that we are conscious of of wanting to thread with respect, but it is not as as narrow a needle as as, as it could have been. So, okay, has anyone <laughs> complained in terms of tone or choices in anything? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I suspect complaints that we're going to get, uh, will, uh, I, the complaints I suspect we'll be getting come issue 11 won't be, uh, about religious depiction at all. It'll, it'll be about character, character choices and, yeah. and yeah, and what they're doing and why. Okay. Um, you know, I, I know that, and, and I have no problem with, there's, there's a large I don't know how large implies that there's a huge readership, and I, I'm not sure how big a readership there is. There's there's a portion of the readership that's highly invested in, in Rowan and Alex as a couple. Um, and Nicola and I actually have had some long talks about that. Um, and they're not. What they are are sisters. And, 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 best best friends but they're not lovers um and you know i know for there's a portion of the fandom that's going to be 
really disappointed by that. And, you know, all I can say is, oh, I'm so sorry, guys, not this time. Well, it's not the story you know? you're writing. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, that it's not their, that's not their relationship. It's not to say that those relationships don't exist. Well, sure. But that's not the relationship in the story. So, and, and I'm aware of that, and there's a piece of me that's kind of like, you know, just because of my own politics, I look at it and I go like, well, what's our queer representation like in this series? Our queer representation in the series isn't great. We don't have a lot of queer characters or, or characters who have identified themselves as as gay or trans, mm-hmm. you know, in any way. We we don't have that. Um, so, you know, like I said, my politics being what they are, I, I look and I go, you know, which characters, which characters are that we would we would it would make sense that we know that about them. Um, because frankly, I don't find anything quite as tokenizing as, you know, a character suddenly saying, Oh, and by the way, I'm gay, Sure, you know, or, or by the way, I'm, I'm Muslim or by the way, I'm, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's a failing. So like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. Um, but you know, Nick and I, you know, we, we knew the story we wanted to tell from the start. It's always hard when you're halfway through, you know, yes. it, 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 when, when you're halfway through the tunnel and you look and you can't see the light behind you and you can't see the light ahead of you. And you're like, well, um, you know, do, do we do we change? Do we change course or do we just keep going? So and we're going to keep going. Cool. Agreed. Um, yeah, man. I think it's I think it's going to be somewhat of a, a, a surprising uh and to the arc, I think people are going to be surprised by issue 11, but it's not, um, it, it, it's not, it, it is a, it is a more subtle, I think, and frankly, far more ominous conclusion to the arc than say, you know, um, Sonia Bittner working out and this little girl coming in and going, Oh my God. You're Sonia Bittner. You know, my name's Forever. Um, it's not that, not quite the same mic drop moment. You know what I mean? I do. All right, that's cool. That was a huge spoiler. If people haven't read Lazarus, but we were already talking about eight, so it's all right. Well, I um, that that leads to a larger question because, and it's one of the things I wanted to ask you about regarding the culture wars because there is a huge uh, contingent of readership that uh, wants writers to metaphorically stay in their lane. And they want queer writers to write queer stories. They want uh, people of color to write people of color characters. They want white guys to write white guys. They want women to write women. And thankfully, uh, and again, this is middle-aged white guy talking, so forgive me, audience, if I am speaking for you, but it seems like you have been... Uh, given a, 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 an appreciative amount of goodwill from uh, the other genders I, and, I, and 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 section, you know, it, 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 other realms in yeah, terms of, t- of writing I, this well, stuff. So, yeah, what do you think about this right now? Well, I, I think that, I think that's an overstating. Okay, I mean, right. there, there 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 are a couple things going on. Funny, I saw Justin Greenwood this evening. Image Expo was here today yes. in town, and 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 Justin. Had a little time afterwards, and and, uh, and he and I ran out, and I watched him eat a slice of pizza, and we got to talk. 
you know, we're talking about uh, the next Stumptown arc and ideally the plans for when I'll be able to write it and Fantastic. so on. And Good to know. One of, the, one of the things we were talking about, because we were talking actually about <clears throat> another, another potential project, um, I think, look, I think for some people when they say stay in your lane, they do mean exactly what you describe, all right? But I think the vast majority, and I could be wrong, um, how, how, to, how, to, how to put this. Yeah, no, I understand, man. Uh, no, 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 no. Hang on. I, well, I yeah, want yeah, no, I, I to, <laughs> I have to, yeah, I have to figure out how to articulate this. I'm reminded of the criticism Billy Joel, of all people, got for writing Down Easter Alexa. Um, right? Which is apparently people say, you can't write about the plight of longshoremen. You're not one. And if you think about that, that's the most fallacious fucking argument in the world. Because you don't get Star Trek. Right. Or Shakespeare. Sure. Shakespeare never met a Jew. <laughs> He'd never seen one. They weren't allowed in England right. when he wrote Merchant of Venice. Right. All right. So, so the, the extrapolation of stay in your lane is write what you know. If 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 that's how you take it, and and like I say, it's, it's fallacious. What is really being said? I think in the vast majority of cases is not, Hey, white guy, um, stop phoning in your portrayal of Africans, uh, in your literature or gay characters or transgender characters or Muslims or Buddhist or Hindu or whatever. Do you damn due diligence and Hey, industry, why aren't we seeing that diversity amongst the talent as well? Mm-hmm. And that's the much more crucial question. It is less. It, it is less about Greg Rucka. You need to only be writing white middle class males. Than it is about why is there such a dearth of Muslim women writing in comics? Why is there such a dearth of transgender artists? Why is there such a dearth of African, you know, descended? Editors, fill, fill in the blank. Sure. When is that going to be addressed? And that's a very valid question. Sure. Because when you answer it by diversifying the whole field, then it isn't a question of staying in your lane. It's a question of now you've got people who can say, uh, Greg, speaking you know, as a transgender guy or whatnot, your portrayal there is problematic because let me let me steer you right right yes or or speaking as a practicing muslim we don't actually say things like that (laughs) um that's fair that's laudable that's the goal we should be working for right better because certainly yeah and 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 an inclusiveness Look, you know, the comics industry is representative of the society. Yes. In the U.S. Of course. And and so, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of women in the society. You'd think there'd be more women in comics. Agreed. You'd think there'd be more women in editorial. 
right? So what, why are they not there? Well, because we have in, in place barriers. So let's knock them the hell down. Let's start filling these positions appropriately. Not as an issue of token hiring, as an issue of making sure that we represent, you know, both within, on both sides of the creation of the works, the, the diversity of our audiences. And oh, I, I don't, you know, I, I, nobody can convince me that that's a bad thing to do. I'm with you. And I, and I, and certainly it, go ahead. If I'm interrupting, please. No, I mean, I think that, look, one of the things, and this is to me, you know, it, it's just as problematic as, you know, as Trumpies keeping a list. Hearing somebody, you know, on, on, on the left saying, well, I'm making a list. It's like, you know what? Then, then, then you're doing the same thing. Yeah. You're doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've all got a, you know, we, there is a legitimate war being fought right now. You know, we're in a cold civil war. Absolutely. And it's a fomented one. And, you know, we can talk about all the things that have come to bear on it. The fact of the matter is, these motherfuckers have already lost. They just don't know it. Right. <laughs> um, no, they really they, they I, don't know it. I, the old fucking white guys have lost. And they just are too, but, but it's like it's like the end of a Godzilla movie. They're still going to take out half of Tokyo before they go down. <laughs> I agree, and unfortunately, I don't mean to laugh when I'm about to say no, but this, but week's, I mean, this week's reaction to the school shootings, I think, uh, illustrates that in a very positive way does, in terms of what's but, coming. But this time they picked the wrong fight. Yes. I was reading a piece just before you called me about this, and it's interesting because you know the tactics that have worked so successfully, especially in mainstream media, because mainstream media doesn't know how to fight this kind of info war. Agreed. Right. Yes. Well, now they're fighting kids who grew up, you know, <laughs> they grew up on the Internet. Yep. So, yep. you know, Bill O'Reilly tries to take a swing at them and they come out going like, wow, you're a stupid old dude. Yep. You know, and they show him up for what they is and, you know, what he is. And they move so quick. And God bless him, you know, and the children shall lead. I fucking am sick and tired of having to worry about sending my kids to school. I shouldn't fucking have to do that. Yeah. yeah. And the orange goddamn shit gibbon, you know, read his talking point. They're going to arm teachers. My ass. Yeah, I know. What a ridiculous thing to say. Yeah. I mean, it's just absurd. But the mere fact that the president of the United States said it, that's where we are. Somebody fucking take a moment and think about that. Yep. But, you know, our standards are now so low. After a year plus of this, you know, diarrhea, diuretic, painted monkey that, you know, it barely blipped. It's outrageous. Oh, well, it, 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 did, it did just happen today. So I do think that uh, most media will beat it to death in the, in the days uh, Oh, no, this is this thing. This is this is this is this. This may this not sexual assault. Not corruption, not high fucking treason. But this, this may be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, good. Yeah, I want the camel's back broken. I hear you, man. Well, and I'm, I'm because, and I, and I will tell you, God bless every damn last one of those kids. Yeah, 
because <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if at 17 I could have come out of that swinging the way they are. No kidding. The poise and the direct, uh, th- their clarity of, of, of where they're coming from, I completely agree. And I'm even relieved yeah. to say that even conservative friends that, you know, don't like everything that Trump does but also don't hate everything Trump does, they are on the same page as most of my liberal friends of, yeah, there's no, there's no need to have automatic weapons and, you know, war weapons in the hands of people. And that was a relief when I was talking to those conservative friends of mine this week. And it's like, yeah, no, this is insane. And it really is just the gun lobby that is supporting the other side of this argument. And that's going to get it's all, shouted down. Well, it, it, it all goes to the same place. Yes. This is all and all this. Is, this has never been, you know, I, it, it's dressed up. And I thought, you know, I, like I said, you know, five minutes ago, I'm talking about, you know, Godzilla is going to take out half Tokyo when he goes down. And I do believe we've got it. We've got a core contention of these bass backwards motherfuckers who are like, wow, the world's passed me by and I will do everything I can to put it in reverse. Sure. And hang on to what too late. motherfucker. Yeah. 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 You know, all you're going to do is throw a rod. That's all you're going to do to the engine here. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yep. It's going to happen. One of the hardest things to do is to take back a right that's given. And these rights are given. So they're doing everything they can to take them back. But guess what? We know. And we ain't going to forget. Yep. They are doing everything they can to make it so we will. They're destroying education. They're destroying media. They're meaning journalism. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, so it's under siege. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, even though there are these ideological motherfuckers who will jump up and down and say, this is because I believe this and SJW is that and fuck, fuck, fuck. All those guys are, and this is the other thing that they're too fucking stupid to know, all they are are puppets dancing on the money string. Yep. Because at the end of the day, this is only about money. Yep. It's all it's ever about. Putin doesn't give a rat's fucking ass about his president. What he cares about is being allowed to make as much money robbing his country and the globe and letting his buddies do it as possible. Yep. And that's why the election mattered so much. It doesn't matter who won. It mattered who was going to allow us to keep the robbery going. What do you think the fucking tax cuts are about? Sure. What do you think about loading the court? They didn't load the court just for conservative ideology. They did it to protect their financial interests, and that's what this is about. Brings us back to Lazarus. But at the end of the day, yes. it's always about money. So we talk about the gun lobby, talk about the NRA. The NRA doesn't fucking exist. The NRA isn't a real thing anymore. No. The NRA used to be about responsible shooting. One of my best friends in the world was at one point an NRA instructor. He wouldn't have anything to do with them now. And what he taught was firearm safety. Sure. That's what he taught. That's what the organization was for. Now all the NRA is is the biggest, most overt, super PAC slash lobbyist group in the country. That's it. Yep. That's all they do. They just buy politicians. It's not about the Second Amendment. It's about allowing the manufacturers to sell as much of their product as possible. To as many people as possible, yeah. Exactly. Yep. And you see these asinine fucking arguments, you know, these just strong fucking arguments about, oh, well, you know, cars kill people too. Yep. 
But yeah, and you need a license and insurance. That's right. And there are laws that obviously if someone screws up, people are punished for it. And, and it's, mm-hmm. yeah, and again, it's, uh, no, I, uh, you're right. I mean, and it's the gun lobby that, yeah, that's the problem. And so We'll see. I, I, I am I am more hopeful than I've been in, in past. And, and again, thank God these kids seem to have been able to really get together and make a difference. And it's really great to see nationally, too, that it's happening. And, yeah. and, and also the ridiculous conservative argument of well there you know clearly this might be a uh, a, a political move by other powers than uh, me. and it's like yeah nice try uh-uh <laughs> yeah well and again they, they they actually picked the wrong fight they just they, they you know yeah. the, the the mouthpiece who the mouthpiece who were able they said you know uh, it was it, the articles on buzzfeed and they were talking about like it took them two weeks to weaponize nunez saying i have a memo Right. Two weeks. That's how fast these guys move. And now they're going after these kids and these kids are like, guess what? I was born on Twitter, motherfucker. Draw. I mean, it literally is. It's like watching, you know, it's like it's like watching the end of the man with a man with no name movie. You know, Eastwood's going to outdraw them. You just know these guys are typing up on Facebook and these kids are like, boom, owned. Interesting. Well, and it's nice to see that side uh, respond that way because that's been my frustration with the alt-right. I watched on uh, Vice, uh, Viceland, their channel, an amazing hour about the alt-right people that create these memes and spew them out. And it really is. I mean, the way that social media has been weaponized is really, really scary. And I will tell you something. I I have been in an ongoing war with myself for the last three months as to whether or not uh, I leave Twitter. I understand. I I genuinely think at this point, and, and until sadly, and, and until, you know, until this past week when, when again, we're reminded of, of its power for good. Um, it is next to impossible for me to look at the benefits of social media and see it outweighing the else right now. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the cynical bullshit here from, you know, Zuckerberg and, you know, from Jack on Twitter and so on, you know, they're not trying to fix it. They're just, again, it's about money. Yep. So why would they fix it? They're making a lot of money. Yep. Uh, or in Twitter's case, desperately trying to. <laughs> um, but I have I have hit a point where, and it's funny, I've seen, you know, and I've talked to other writers, and, and Greg Pak writes about this every so often, you know, and, and others, Chuck Wendig has talked about it. Scott Scalzi is very good at it. You know, being able to brand, I've never been good at branding myself. Right. I'm not very good. I've never been good at the self-promotion part of the job. My Twitter feed is mostly me fuming angrily, mostly hiding behind a retweet or something that I feel more people should be aware of. Sure, right. Sure. I don't I don't actually go out there often and say, I think this you can tell what I think by what I'm what what I am calling out. But I don't often say, you know, I don't often have a bon mot. 
or, or similar in social media circles. And there is, I think, for a lot of, of, of the working creators, professionals, this need to sort of use this platform and try to promote our work and engage with our fan base. But there is also conversely this now attitude that there's some sort of obligation. We're supposed to be there. We, we, we are obligated to respond. We must listen. It's like, no, I don't, I don't have to. I'm here of my own forbearance. I block early and often, you know, I don't, I don't. And you know what, if it's going to cost me, you know, a sale, it costs me a sale. I can live with that. Sure. I'm not, you know, I'm under no obligation to be anybody's, you know, whipping boy. Um, but the, the, the overall issue, he said, I'm still grappling with it. It's very hard for me to rationalize using Twitter right now. The last couple, since, since the beginning of this year, I've mostly been using Twitter uh, to aggregate my Tumblr posts. And Tumblr itself is problematic, but at least Tumblr, I feel I have a little more control over <clears throat> my signal in the noise mm-hmm. um, and also what I'm receiving. Um, but, you know, my website's fallow. It's been fallow for years. I understand. I don't do a newsletter because I don't feel I have enough to say. (laughs) Well, and you say it through your work, obviously, and you say it through your letter pages in your work. And, you know, I I, no, I understand. And I go through the same struggle because, I mean, that's how I communicate and try to engage my audience as well. And I always try to keep it light uh, and, and really keep it on. Hey, this is a great documentary. This is a really fun pop culture article. You should read. This is a great book you should read. And and yeah. I'm very and I'm happy that I, I mostly go into that. It's funny now too. And as I was telling you off the air, working for uh, CBS again, and even in a, yeah. even in a current part time capacity, you know, as as I saw as well with uh, DC, kind of you know sending out the memo as well. We got the memo as well in terms of, hey, keep it light. If you're going to be on social yeah. media, we're not trying to you know demand that you you know, stay silent, but by the same token, recognize that, you know, yeah, there is, there's a wide audience and you, you know, what you exactly said in terms of your, your ability as a, as a, you know, creator that can kind of call his own shots. And yeah, you're, you, that's good that you don't work for a, co- a corporate master that is going to be like, Hey, don't forget, you know, we're signing the checks and you're kind of representing us when you're online. And, yeah. you know, so, yeah, it's kind of a tightrope and everything because, yeah, I mean, I, I... Well, it is. It's entirely, you know, again, there's this, you know, well, look, you know, the whole Frank Cho thing where people are like, oh, you know, you're, you're impugning his right for freedom of expression. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. He has no right to freedom of expression. It's called work for hire. Right. When it comes to, yeah. The, com- yeah, the company has every right to say, you don't do it like that. You know, yeah. I write a story... I write a story where Batman has sex with a dog. DC has every right to say, yeah, you know what? <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> and I don't get to jump up and down and say, hey. Censorship. Yeah. No. I, 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 I took the check. Sure. I took the gig. One of the things incumbent in that was me playing by their rule. Sure. And trying to paint it another way is bullshit. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, 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 am, and I, you know, and I, I don't know, 
I don't know. But we, we are living now in an age where lies go unchallenged um, to such an extent that, you know, we're seeing the death of reason. Yes. People don't know how to read anymore. Um, people are losing their ability to think critically. This is yet another uh, reason why you see such a determined assault on higher education. You know, my, uh, talking about my son again, <clears throat> and thankfully he will probably never hear this interview. Um, but, you know, uh, earlier this year, he was really struggling with going to college. He, he was like, I'm not sure I should. Interesting. And, you know, I, and, and actually, <laughs> ironically enough, I took him out of school uh, for a day and... Uh, and we went, we did a couple of things and we were, we were walking and talking and, and, and I said, you know, why, why are you thinking this? And, you know, he was talking about the state of the world and God knows what it's going to be like and so on. And I said to him, and this is really true and you're seeing it now. And it goes back to, to what's happened in Florida. Every major social change for the better has been led by students. Yes. It always comes out of students motivating and acting. It comes out of universities. It comes out of colleges. It comes out of institutions of education where young people meet, exchange ideas, challenge their ways of thinking, and then go out and are willing to fight and bleed and in many cases die for a better world. Yep. Um, why do you think these white dinosaurs are so desperate, you know, Oh my God, all these universities are bastions of liberal thought. Yes. There's a reason for that. When you do not live in a fishbowl, when you are put in an environment where your ideas are challenged and you meet people from different parts of the world who believe different things, your horizons brought certainly. And you discover that your parochial little, belief system maybe doesn't hold up the way you thought it could. That maybe it needs to adapt. That maybe what Jesus was actually saying wasn't what you thought. Or fill in the blank. Well, and I agree with that. What concerns me is the overreaction, and I say this as a, a comfortable liberal and, and I believe to be, a, I consider myself a progressive, the safe spaces in colleges really did alarm me Initially, because I do think it's in the I do think there's there's room to for your your beliefs to be challenged in the proper you know way of okay let's hear what the other side has to think to to really think about your own thoughts and 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 make right. make make good critical thinking decisions about the entire environment and the and the other side and what they're thinking and it's yeah. important to hear those those other thoughts. Absolutely. But there also needs to be the ability to withdraw to a place uh, of safety for, for those individuals who actually need it. Sure. Right? And and this is and this is look, this is this is always this is always the tension in, in situations like this. Right. The, the, the tension is always you don't want somebody who's really hurt to be hurt. Right. Right. But when you provide a mechanism to support that, you are also, like it or not, <clears throat> creating a system that can be abused. 
that can, instead of me saying, look, this actually is very painful for me, I need to be in a place where I don't have to be scared by the trauma of this, turns into a, I don't like what you're saying, you're violating my safety. Right? Somebody's going to abuse it. Right. That's what's going to happen. Right. Do you throw out the whole system? Or do you admit that, okay, sometimes people are going to abuse the system? And that means we're going to have to be careful in its implementation. Sometimes we're going to have to go case by case. But the principle behind this is not a flawed principle, right? Yeah. People who want to abuse it, that's the problem. So, I mean, look, you're talking to a guy, let's talk about guns again. You're talking about a guy who owns firearms, right? I don't think of myself as a gun lover or a gun nut, all right? Um, I would happily give them up, all right? I don't need them, all right? Okay. I don't need them. Okay. But by the same token, right, uh, you know, or, or so, so which camp am I in? See what I'm saying? Well, I... I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I, I'm not a member of the NRA. I want to go to do them with a hundred foot pole. Um, these, these, these are dangerous, dangerous tools. Um, the, yeah, the, 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 the biggest problem we're having, and I think this also is something that's, that, that's made worse by social media is that everything's in an absolute. Yes. Nothing's muddy. Yes. No, nothing nothing is nuanced. Yeah, gray doesn't exist either, anymore. Yeah, it's black and white. Yeah. So so it's either it's either safe spaces or no safe spaces. It's like, well actually, you know what? There's a need here. So let's talk about why there's a need. Alright. Um one bad actor ruins it for everybody. So we're gonna throw the whole thing out? Well, that seems to be our response. Right now, the flip side is that uh, that is that you know you're going to get in, uh, the, the the gun nuts going. Well, this is one bad actor, except it's not one bad actor. This is happening all the fucking time. Right. This is not one bad actor. Uh, you guys now need to own it. Well, and again, it's a question of guns and rifles, and you know, rifles for hunting and a, a gun to protect your home. Exactly. Versus, do you need a rocket if, launcher? If do you need a, exactly. Do you need an automatic yeah. weapon? No. If look, if I'm if I'm living in Alaska, it makes sense why I might need a firearm or three. Sure. All right. Especially if my ability to down an elk <laughs> determines whether or not me and my family make it through the winter. <laughs> right. <Yeah. clears throat> and and if. Say I am that person in Alaska, and somebody tells me they're talking about banning guns. That's not somebody taking away my freedom. That's somebody threatening my life, yeah, literally yeah. threatening my life, yeah. and and potentially the life of people I love. Right. So, yeah, there's got to be nuance in this. There's got to be nuance in this. Um, well, and I think that's what's great about the kids. That's what they're. That's where they're coming from because a lot of I am hearing a lot of them say. No, I'm not again. I'm not saying abolish all guns. I'm saying, do you need the AK-40? Yeah, I mean, do you really need? Yeah, yeah. Weapons? Well, what, why? Why do you have an AR? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. You see, why do you need a bump stock? Yeah. You don't need a bump stock to down a deer. Yeah. Trust me. If you need that many rounds to down a deer, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm kidding. You're also going to end up with so much perforated meat 
that it's going to be useless to you. Well, and even something, you know? even something less than than the gun issue, even something like bullying. And it's funny. I just saw Chris Rock's most recent Netflix special, and I kind of agree with him where he's like, "I want my kid to learn about bullying in school because life sucks, and you need to know how to deal with assholes as quickly as possible." And no. That's just the way the you know. Unfortunately, there aren't going to be jerks out there that you're going to have yeah. to deal with. So let's let's have it happen in school where responsible adults can step in and and intercede and and uh, but like don't don't get to the you know. I mean, again, it's that I agree. There should people shouldn't be bullied, but by the same token, right. that is when you kind of learn how that. All right, this guy's just an asshole, and I I will but, learn how to deal with this asshole. Right, but but again. I would argue that, you know, we're we're conflating things, you know? There's a difference between, you know, like nobody liked being bullied. Of course not. Everybody was. Sure. Everybody was. I was, absolutely. There's a difference between between that and the weaponized bullying that we're seeing in some cases that are... Leading people to take their lives. Oh yeah, and of course I don't mean to. You know, yeah, and, and I'm not and trying no, to conflict no, the two. No, no, no. I, I, no, I know, I know you're not. Okay. But this is, but this is, this is what I mean. Yeah. You know, well, it's yeah. that we can't. Again, there's there's nuance here. Nothing is, nothing is that straightforward and simple. Yeah, and case by case. You know, the the thing is, unless you know, unless something happens really catastrophic. The, the technology curve isn't, you know, isn't isn't gonna isn't gonna smooth itself out. It's only gonna get steeper. Yeah, it's only gonna get steeper. Why did you Why and did you disintegrate, Johnny, with your ray gun? It, it, well, <laughs> forget that. Think about, you know, look, I've I've seen, you know, I've seen firsthand, you know, what what happens when this shit gets leveled at somebody on social media. Absolutely, and I'm talking Bullying about kids. on social media, like, no like, question. Yeah, no when these question. kids do that. All right, now, now, you know, now imagine that with augmented reality, which we already have. Very true. Very true. Imagine that. I mean, it's going to be worse and worse. Yeah. yeah. So we have to figure this out. Interesting. We have to figure out what is, what are the hard knocks of life that are normal, right? That are to be expected. Right. That are the disappointments that everybody has to learn to deal with. That are the embarrassments and the pains, and. What are the ones where we go? No, you know sure. that's 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 beyond the pale, and in and 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 that, and even granting that, what's wrong with trying to strive for a world where you know what we teach our children that that's just not the way we treat other people, ever? Yeah. That there is no reason to do it. That it doesn't matter how much pain we're in, or how scared we are, or how insecure we are. You know, of course, you know, we, 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 we take we take our ability to have endured bullying and to have survived and grown into adults and and we turn it into this badge of honor. Well, I survived it. Except we don't actually know the damage it may have done to us. We don't know who we would have been. I look at my mom, for instance, right? My mom's relationship with her mother was a very bad one. All right. Okay. Um it wasn't <clears throat> You know, it wasn't physically abusive, but her mom was a very distant person and rarely had kind things to say to her daughters. All right. Okay. Now, my mom's in her seventies now, and you know, my dad passed away a couple years ago. 
she's not having the easiest time of it. And I see her struggling to not default to the negatives when talking to people, to not immediately criticize the way her mother criticized her. Okay. Right? Okay. So oh, we, we know, I mean, we know for a fact, it is proven, right, that these things happen, they do damage to us. And we want to believe we are undamaged, but when you're in it, how can you see it? Understood. Yeah. You know, how can you look and and, and know that you know the, the the those those three years, you know, between fourth and seventh grades or whatnot, when you know you didn't have any friends and nobody, you know, and everybody was making fun of you because you were fat or you were pimply. You know, or you stuttered, or you were dyslexic, or whatnot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we you don't know. True. Yeah. You don't know. So, so what's wrong? Like I say, I mean, you know, maybe it sounds Pollyanna, but what, but what's wrong with aspiring to be people who don't have to find out what what that damage was? You know, <laughs> what's wrong with us trying to raise? children and to be human beings who who when we meet another person acknowledge that we do not know the battles that they themselves are fighting Fair. and that they you know that they are worthy of uh, if, if not of our kindness at least of the benefit of the doubt I'm with you um, yeah I mean well look I, I would I, I would I would hope that most sane people are. <laughs> you know? No, I understand. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think I'm positing anything ridiculous. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I'm with you. <laughs> but so, but like I say, I mean that's that's sort of the extension of that. Yeah, you know, I mean it's just it's just bullying. Yeah, it is just bullying. But it maybe it's something else too. Fair enough. Maybe maybe it means something more. On the so. uh, all right. Well, that's no. I like that. On the on the lighter side. Because I, I, I am interested, and you may not have seen this because I know how busy you are. Did you watch Star Trek Discovery? I did not watch Discovery, and uh, I, uh, I need to uh, because enough people now have come back around and told me that they really enjoyed it. Oh, that's interesting because I'm, I'm in the, uh, I'm, I'm the not-enjoying-it uh, camp, unfortunately. You are in the not-enjoying-it Well, I camp. thought I'll be honest, and I, and I will be interested as a, as a writer that I think does write uh, well – what you will think of their story and character choices, because I do think that there was, as we were talking about earlier, um, some obvious, like, I, I think inclusion is excellent. And I think the intention was excellent. The execution felt more like tokenism than it did really giving um, these ideas a chance to really breathe. Because... You know, and I, and again, I, I think it's great that there are characters of color and of, of different orientation that are being put in the fr- in the front row, and I think that's excellent. Uh-huh. But what they did with them, and as far as the stories themselves, and just some of these these ideas, I'm like, uh, I didn't see really that much improvement. And Star Trek always was, I think, a an area of, uh, you know, aspiring to a higher level of writing and inclusion. And and that's the thing. So it's like you know, I I don't know. I uh, and especially just uh, just the basic plot choices and character choices that had nothing to do with sexuality or 
uh, or color. I, I just am like, this feels like Saturday. This is this leaned more towards Flash Gordon space opera than high-minded Star Trek. In my, in, huh. in my, that's just my own. I mean, and I, no, I'm not alone. Uh, for the people that didn't like it, and it, it has nothing to do. I mean, some of it was as basic as okay. All of, all of a sudden, after fifty years, Spock has a sister. It's like, all right, <laughs> if if you show me in a good way why that makes sense, okay, I'm cool with it. I didn't feel like I got that in fifteen hours of TV, but again, okay. you know, we'll see. And again, also they they kind of wrote this thing not knowing if they were going to get a second season. So that's another reason why I'm like, all right, I'm not really. Uh, Whatever, but but more so in terms of just yeah, I, I just found the kind of in the same way that the big movies, the JJ movies, have have been over overly simplistic in terms of plot, and you know, and also just that whole reboot thing of hey look, there's a Tribble, taking it you yeah. know, and with with the only reason why being on screen is because people are going to go oh yeah I know what that is, and a lot of yeah, reboots suffer from time. that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, there's that sense of. Uh... Of, um, it's a wink. Sort of, yeah. I think that's that's that that's precisely what it yeah. is. It's a wink. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, next time next time we talk, I will have made a point of seeing it, <laughs> okay. uh, and and we will discuss. No, seriously. Okay. I, look, I, I I don't get to watch a whole lot of TV these days. I watched all of Altered Carbon. Oh, excellent! Um, that's good to know. And and you liked it or no? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Okay. I thought the performances were great. Um, I think the book is. Just phenomenal. Okay, um, but I thought the changes they made from the source material for this series were not were not great changes. Um, and I think I think they missed. Um, there are a couple things about it that, that 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 I found problematic. I didn't I didn't sit there and and, and go well. This was a waste. Um, it was not what I had hoped. Um, you just described Star let, Trek let, Discovery. Let, let's put it that yeah, way. That's exact, mm-hmm. Those were all my feelings of Star Trek Discovery. I think the performances so. were fine with what the, the material was that they were given. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't what I was hoping for. And all I mean from that is, just in the same way that the Westworld HBO series took that you know franchise, for lack of a better word, and elevated it to some very interesting questions... Uh, in a very nihilistic way, but I still thought was interesting television. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Star Trek disappointed me with its simplicity and, frankly, hokiness in terms of character and plot choices. So uh, I'm I'm now very curious. So I'll have to see. Well, it. and further because because I know he's a friend of yours. Matthew Clark and I are are in uh, happy disagreement, and we're going to have a discussion about it on Friday for Word Balloon. Because, and I, and uh, excellent. we totally bonded he's, over he's, Star Trek uh, at a Cincinnati convention a couple of years ago. And yeah, you should get, you should, you should get Aaron Duran in on that as well, actually. Uh, who's, who's the writer uh, that I did, um, that I did that uh, second issue of X 66. Oh, and, uh, and is also, uh, he's another Portlander. He and Matthew are, Good friends, uh, and he is another born born in the uh, in the sick bay uh, Star Trek <laughs> fan. Uh, you guys could have a good three way on That's that uh, in all sincerity. Um, I, I, I mean it quite sincerely. You, you should you should get Aaron on. Well, maybe uh, yeah, maybe because I think if... the three of you the, the three of you could could have a really good discussion. Did he did he um, like it or she like it or? I, well, he he and I I've been sort of I know Matthew liked it. Yeah. 
I got the impression that Aaron liked some of it and didn't like others, but I've been sort of steering away because I was like, all right, I don't know what to think of it. I've got oh, yeah. two friends in Australia, one of whom who's, you know, a, a, a big Star Trek fan who really liked it. Um, I don't think the other guy's seen it yet. So, like I said, I've heard a lot of people, a lot of people in my peer group who have talked about it have really enjoyed it, I think. Um, but you know, these are these are all clearly all smart people who've got some deep thoughts about it. Yeah, and I I've had you know uh, Trek is interesting because especially in this day and age, and you're talking to a guy who's writing a dystopia right now. Sure. One of the things I've been thinking about for much of the last year is how do I write a utopia? What's what's the utopian story? Because we've forgotten that. Sure. And that was one of the things that Roddenberry gave us. Absolutely, you know. Yes. And 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 then in the '90s we started to erode it, and then you get the reboot, you know, or the Calvin timeline movies right. that sort of turn into it, meaning turning into that, you know, failure of the Federation of, of this vision. Um, and I, I think there's we're in an interesting place. Um, where it's so easy for us to accept dystopian fiction. And like I say, I'm guilty of this. I, I'm raising my hand <laughs> right here. I'm in, I'm in the front row. Um, but we're finding it so hard to accept utopian fiction um, that that we we are so embittered, you know, that we, we don't believe in this future that has uh, uh, that has ended hunger. You know what I mean? I do. No, I do. And I, and that's, I mean, I, I, uh, as a fan of Deep Space Nine that I think did challenge uh, mm-hmm. Federation ideas. Look, I love, I love DS9. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I absolutely love DS9. Um, I was disappointed with Enterprise in terms of, and it was in the pilot, but then it got away from it as it became the weekly procedural in terms of, uh, there's that one scene where uh, T'Pol and uh, Trip are on a space station, and there's a mother, an alien mother with her child, and it seems the child keeps pushing away like a, an oxygen or a breathing mask of some sort, and and Trip is like, "Hey, leave the kid alone." And to Paul goes, "No, she's teaching the kid how to deal with uh, their atmosphere, their planetary atmosphere, and she's basically weaning the kid to learn how to breathe, breathe uh-huh. properly." It's like you don't have all the answers. The the human rules don't apply to every situation out here in the bigger universe as opposed to mm-hmm. that chin stroking alien ah these humans they seem primitive but yeah. they really bring an interesting quality that we just it's like yeah we we've been there we get that and it was like if there's ever a place for humans to make mistakes it would be an enterprise when they're first venturing into deep space and with the best intentions making mistakes and falling into yeah. problems because they don't understand how the rest of the universe works. Yeah, and be and being willing to learn exactly. Yeah, as 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 opposed to being willing to to teach, plant a flag, and die on a hill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and teach and, and be the leaders. Yeah, man. And again, so yeah. no, I'll be interested. And and as far as discovery, no, I really will be interested in what your thoughts are on it. And uh, yeah, like I said, people who love it, awesome, man. That's cool. That's great. Everything yeah. is it for everybody. But uh, no, no. So, no yeah, yeah, yeah. so anything else uh, you've seen recently or read recently that you want to share? I saw Black Panther this weekend. I loved As it. As did I. Um, I'm glad you brought it up. I thought it was 
thought it was just a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. Agreed. Um, had an interesting discussion with uh, Andrew Constant, who just wrote the Demon miniseries uh, for DC. Oh. Um, and he said that he thought it was a beautiful piece of filmmaking, but he was like, you know, narratively snooze. And I was kind of like, and maybe, maybe, maybe this is given it a pass. I don't know. I, Where I am now, maybe experientially, maybe it's just age. Uh, you know, stories have to do certain things. And certain kinds of stories, you watch them and, and people go, well, I could see it. It was predictable. I said, but that's not the point. The point isn't whether or not it delivered, you know, don't mistake predictability for the story doing what narratively it must do. Right. Mm -hmm. And we live in a culture now that is so narratively sophisticated, um, that your average 10 year old can see most stories structurally without even knowing what the structure is, knowing that that's what they're doing. They can see, you know, where it's going to yeah. go. They, they already understand what the needs of a story are. And, you know, you, you know, you see a movie like Coco, nothing in Coco is actually surprising if you're paying attention, okay. right? If, 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 if you know how structure of story works, then everything in Coco is exactly where it needs to be, when it needs to be there. It comes down to what Pixar does better than arguably, I think anybody who's consistently making movies these days which is Pixar's execution is almost always flawless. Yeah. Their execution of story is almost always impeccable. Um, yeah, you know, Black Panthers, the narrative doesn't do anything that, that rewrites the rules of how you tell a story, but they're not trying to. Agreed. <laughs> they're, they're, they're telling the story. I mean, you know, for everybody who's seen it, you know, uh, you can stay, and if you haven't, uh, you, you know, tune out for the next bit. You know, <laughs> Charlie goes over the waterfall. You know, you know that's not the of end. <laughs> and 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 the movie. Well, but the movie knows it too, sure. because the reveal that he's still alive is not played as a shocking reveal. If you look at the way it's shot. It's shot entirely for the emotional response. It's not shot to surprise you. It's not shot like an M. Night Shyamalan moment, right? Where, ha, gotcha! Right. There's no gotcha there. Right? Yeah. The film acknowledges, you know, the, the film knows that we know. I agree. So what, what the movie concentrates on is not what happened, but why it matters and what it means to these characters that happened. Right. And that, to me, is actually the mark of uh, impeccable storytelling. Um, I thought, you know, so I, I tend to, and that's one of the things I think that I think sort of got my hackles up with Altered Carbon, which was it was doing things with the story that it didn't need to do in an attempt to, I think, get surprises. Okay. It's like, yeah, but you forced that. You don't need that. You're going, you're doing that. Because you built yourself a box, and now narratively you have to do it. But that's because you made some bad choices early Understood. on. 
Um, and I agree with you about Black Panther. I thought top to bottom, it was the acting was excellent, the writing was excellent. It was a great combination yeah. of myth and superhero uh, in the best ways. And no, it's also, it, also, it lived up to the one hype. of the top, one of the top, but also top to bottom, one of the most beautiful films I've ever yeah. seen. I mean, just everything in it was gorgeous. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm hard pressed to think of a movie where I've sat in the theater and and looked at a parade of more beautiful people on the screen at once. Absolutely, you and know? acting their asses off like, and really giving endless oh performances. Yeah, God. yeah. No, it really was. Oh, it was it was a so. great shot in the arm, and and also coming off of Ragnarok, it's great to see that the Marvel movies I think also continue to evolve in a in a positive way. And I keep hearing that kind of rolling of the eyes of oh yeah, we know where it's going. And I agree with everything you said. And it's like yeah, that's okay. If you're telling a good story, yeah, I'm cool with it. Yeah, it's it's not. I I don't need to be surprised. I need to be entertained. Right. It's the journey, <laughs> and that's the thing. Everyone yeah. everyone always like kind of focuses on the result or the climax yeah. or what. And it's like yeah, we all know where it's going. There's going to be a Black like, Panther too, <laughs> no matter what. Right. Well, and you know, I remember I remember seeing. Um, tells you how old I am. Uh, I, I remember seeing the Usual Suspects. The college friend of mine. It was just after college. I was in New York, and um, went to see it. And it was like the second time I'd seen it, and she, the second time she had seen it. She very proudly told me that she had figured out who Kaiser says I was. And all I could think was, "That's the badge of honor you got out of this movie." He's like, "Ooh, I figured it out." God damn! Well, you wasted two hours. You know, I mean, it's, 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 for some people, look, and, and, and that's unfair, and I admit that's unfair. Some people read mysteries because they want to solve the puzzle, right? I never read a mystery because I want to solve the puzzle. I read a mystery because I want to know how the detective's going to solve the puzzle, you know? Sure. Um, it's not to say that the other one doesn't work, but I do think that if you're always trying to, <clears throat> if, if, if the way you... Uh, consume your entertainment is by trying to outguess it, then you're probably going to be happier doing math problems. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just, uh, uh, but that's, but that's, that is a highly personal opinion, obviously. And, and, uh, and I, um, and I hasten to add, I do not, you know, <laughs> like the, jo- the, the goal is to be entertained and to enjoy it. And if the way you are entertained and the way you enjoy it is by getting there before everybody else in the house, okay. But recognize that there are a lot of us for whom that doesn't matter. Right. Uh, that that we're, we're not there for the destination. We're there for the journey. Absolutely, man. So. No, and again, that's the that's the problem with uh, some quick judgment of uh, comic stories as well. Absolutely. It's a huge problem in comics, especially... Uh, especially when you're dealing with monthlies, yes, uh, because because it, it is augmented by the by or or it is further complicated by the fact that uh, the audience now has 30 days to right. to, to figure this out. Um, it's very hard, and I've always felt this. You know, it's it, look if if I write a mystery um, and 30,000 people are reading it in installments, the odds are one of them's going to figure it out just by blind luck. Sure. And in the age of the internet, uh, when people are posting 
and crowdsourcing their solutions, if your goal <laughs> is to trick people, you're always going to lose. Agreed. You're always going to lose. If, 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 you're, if your goal there is, to, is, is that you're, all you've got in your story is the gotcha moment, then you're going to fail. Totally agree. You're going to fail because people are going to figure it out. It's just the, the nature of the beast at this point. They're going to figure it Agreed. out. So if they're going to figure it out anyway, then maybe it's best just to tell the story you wanted to tell and stop worrying about who you're going to fool. Totally agree. So March 7th is the trade of X plus 66 yep. of uh, Lazarus. And then we've got issue 11 of uh, Black Magic coming up uh, in the next few weeks. Is it March or later? Yeah, it'll be it'll be uh, I think first week of March. Excellent. Okay. And then we have April will bring us Lazarus twenty seven. Yes. May will bring us Lazarus twenty eight and uh, the second Black Magic trade. Um, and then uh, June, everybody can uh, take off and save their pennies. <laughs> Uh, and then July should bring us uh, Lazarus 29 and Black Magic 12. Outstanding. And we're off to the races from there. And then hopefully the old guard uh, will be back. I would probably suspect in the fall. But what I really want to do there, uh, and this worked pretty well with the first series, is uh, not solicit until we've got at least three of them in the can. Uh, it'll be, it'll be another five issues. Um, I like, I like five issue stories. I think that's a nice size six to me. Um, in, in rare cases, uh, are, are necessary, but I find most of these stories actually work out pretty well for five for whatever, for however I structure it in my head. I don't know why, but there you go. That's cool. Excellent, man. And yeah, yeah. very excited to, Hear the progression of uh, Amazon's participation in Lazarus, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, we got that, and uh, we got uh, maybe maybe uh, some other media news soon too. Atta boy. So we, we shall see. Excellent. All right, let's not let's yeah. not wait ten months like we did last time, or however long it's been. Yeah, since last time. yeah. No, I think it's been a good year and a half, two years since we Jesus. talked, man. I mean, it's been since we did this. You'll have to check the archives, but we haven't. We haven't debriefed in quite a well, while. It's embarrassing so. on my part, but, and, uh, and I will I will do my I will do my discovery homework uh, for next time. Okay, <laughs> that would be great. And yeah, man, I uh, hope to see you soon. I I know you're not coming to Chicago. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it out. I'm taking. Uh, I'm only doing the only show that I know I'm doing this year is going to be Thought Bubble. Um, oh, I great. may in uh, the UK. I may, uh, I'm yeah yeah. Um, I was hoping to go last year and it didn't work out but definitely going this year but i'm not sure uh if i'm going to be doing any others at this point this year okay, man. um i think this this year might be the the year of going i think people saw enough of me last year so <laughs> i understand i'll probably do rose city here in Portland oh, yeah, because here. i would be yeah i would be embarrassed if i didn't show up i understand but otherwise yeah all right man all right john well, thank you that, absolutely man no, yeah we'll uh, we'll uh you know uh get you in the van and uh, blindfold you and throw you out at some random street intersection <laughs> as we usually do at the end of these things like Fritzy's honor. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right, there we go. We've dropped him off. Uh, 
still blindfolded, so he's going to be uh, feeling around the intersection for, uh, you know, some sort of uh, parking meter or something to prop himself up, maybe a uh, park bench. But uh, we have left uh, Greg Rucka for another <laughs> Rucka debrief and uh, looking forward to talking to him very soon. Uh, it's going to be another exciting year in 2018, but uh, really enjoying what he's putting out there now. and can't wait to see what comes next. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation. It was brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, where, as I said earlier, there is a ton of Greg Rucka volumes waiting for you. Start things off with the first volume of Lazarus, uh, Greg and Michael Lark. Man, what an amazing story this is. I, I just adore it and uh, truly look forward to each arc and uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Forever Carlisle and her family, uh, a, a future dystopia, as Greg says, with Michael Lark. Uh, wonderful stuff. 42% off for Volume 1, $20.29 for that first hardcover of Lazarus. The trades, uh, like, uh, like we said earlier, uh, we've got Volumes uh, 3 and 4 at uh, 42% off, $8.69 for those in uh, soft trade. You can also get... Uh, Various things like uh, Greg's, um, how about uh, Death and the Maidens? Let's reach back when uh, Greg created uh, Ra's al Ghul's, uh, second daughter. Who knew? Nissa, I believe, is uh, Nissa, Nissa, is, uh, Nissa al Ghul is uh, Talia's uh, sister. But this was a great run. And uh, Klaus Jansen and Greg Rucka, Batman, Death and the Maidens. The deluxe hardcover edition is 42% off, $17.39. You can get Batman New Gotham. Man, that's going back. Greg and Sean Martinborough. This is when I really discovered uh, Greg Rucko material, and Sean's art was so dynamic. Dave Johnson covers. Uh, this is a great run from Detective Comics, uh, 742 to 753. 11 great issues, 42% off, $17.39. Uh, there is also other things like Stumptown. You can get volumes uh, 1 and 2. Volume 2 is um, 30% off, $20.99 for the second uh, volume of Stumptown. You can get volume four uh, featuring Justin Greenwood art, and this is uh, 30% off. Each one is a separate story, really. Um, it's uh, $20.99 for hardcover volume four of Stumptown. And, uh, you know, uh, just great books at great prices. Uh, tons of Greg Rucka material. Going back to Checkmate. His wonderful DC espionage book that came out of uh, Infinite Crisis. You can get uh, volumes uh, 1 and 2 at 42% off, $14.49 from InStockTrades.com. Lots of Wonder Woman stuff. Lots of uh, Grendel Past Prime, the wonderful illustrated novel that uh, Greg did with uh, Matt Wagner. 42% off, $8.67, Grendel Past Prime. Really neat stuff from Greg. I urge you to go to InStockTrades.com. And uh, take advantage of, of all these great deals on Greg Rucka material. Check it out for yourself, InStockTrades.com. Thanks again for listening to today's Word Balloon. Uh, more great stuff coming. February isn't over, and uh, we've still got great material to put out there for you uh, in the next couple days. And uh, great conversations on the way. I hope you'll join us for every episode of Word Balloon uh, coming up in the near and distant future, because there are great surprises still to be had here at wordballoon.com. And check out the archive as well. Over 750 episodes of Word Balloon posted at wordballoon.com and at uh, Blog Talk Radio. So uh, thank you for uh, listening and uh, checking out uh, what we're doing here at Word Balloon. 
And uh, can't wait to talk to you about uh, what's to come in the days and weeks ahead. C2E2 is uh, just about, uh, you know, just just under two, uh, two months, about six weeks away. I'm very excited about uh, what we'll be doing over at C2E2, and I will fill you in with details uh, once I'm able to, once I'm allowed to start talking about these things publicly. But until next time, thanks for listening. Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2018.